our goal in jujitsu is to strangle necks and break limbs. That's all that matters, you know. But matches do start on on the feet, right? And there's but, points, and, and there's and points that, and yeah. stuff. But the end goal is uh, I'm gonna break a limb, or or I'll strangle you unconscious. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Pohada Podcast. I am always am your apparently sultry voiced host, Matt Browse of Pohada Photography, and this is the eighth edition of the Booze with a Black Belt series. As you heard there, my guest this time around is Hayden Buckner, the owner and head instructor at the Academy Eden Prairie. In this episode, he gives his very blue-collar story of becoming a black belt. We both give medical advice we're not qualified to give. By the way, please see a doctor and get rid of it. Don't listen to us. We also get his take on The Bachelor being the greatest TV show of all time and probably spoil How I Met Your Mother. As usual, thanks as always to Polly and Kathy Brooks for letting us hang out for the recording. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you do that and write a funny review on Apple alongside a five-star and you could win a gift card from 5 Watt Coffee, the podcast official sponsor and the only coffee worth a damn. Without further ado, my conversation with Hayden Buckner. Did you hear, did you hear Hayden talking about his brunch? No, did it make him feel uncomfortable? Yeah, that's what he, that's oh, what he said. Is, is exactly what, successful what Potabom said. Should be a successful brunch, right? It just felt disgusting afterwards, yeah. kind of in the middle too. But you kept, I kept going. Yeah. I was full before the the main stuff came, but can't just not eat those pancakes. Yeah. You gotta uh, know how to push yourself. Exactly, yep. exactly. Yeah. So I really love a good eggs Benedict. Yeah, man. It's like hollandaise sauce. I've made it at home, you know, but it's pretty easy to mess up, and uh, I, I that's something that I feel like I'd rather pay somebody to make. Versus like me just making it home. So yeah. whenever I can get eggs Benedict, I'll order it, even if it's like supposed to be a pancake place. So order pancakes and the eggs Benedict, and then I'll get, you know, two extra poached eggs and extra hollandaise sauce. So you get your, <laughs> you get your hollandaise worth. You know, <laughs> how much do you weigh? Uh, hundred and seventy, seventy two pounds. Seventy four is where I like to kind of float. What's with these guys eating like me, but they're 120 pounds lighter? What's up with that? I train, I train a lot. Yeah, and, and as maybe don't eat that way all the time <laughs> either. Right? Well, bin, you know, binge and fast. Binge it's and real. fast. It's real. Yeah. It's real. It's totally real. We stumbled on something there. Huh? Yeah. No. Uh, Potabomb said it best. Bin, binge, binge and fast. Like, I don't have, I don't know how to eat an appropriate amount of food. I'm just gonna steal all his lines. So yeah. I'm just like, yeah. especially if there's a tournament coming up, right? Like I won't eat much throughout the week. Plus when I eat a lot, you know, then I feel heavy in training later, you know, cause I'll train in the morning. And then if I train again at night, if I eat heavy in between, you know, like I'll like feel that in my digest. But then I also need to like eat enough to have energy to train. Yeah. Right. Well, see, you, then you, that's when you skip training. That you can't not eat, right? Yeah. You can't not eat. That's so where I'm at. <laughs> I end up eating pretty big at night, like a lot of protein, a lot of like refuel, you know, but, uh, but you know, I cut carbs out more when, when I've got like tournaments coming up, I'm trying to keep my weight down. So then, in, you know, when I don't, it's like, oh man, got to binge on the weekend, get all that goodness in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not, uh, maybe not the best in the grand scheme of things, but make it work it works for now yeah it works for <laughs> now that's right uh tournaments you compete in jiu-jitsu i do compete in jiu-jitsu when was the last time you did uh three weeks ago oh not that yeah in uh des moines how many times because 
you got your black belt just last year, right? Got it uh, November, end of November 2020. Yeah. So how many times have you competed? Just three weeks ago in That's Des Moines. That's your first time? Yeah, I wasn't was even planning. Oh. Yeah, that was my first time. I don't like want that to be my first black belt tournament, but it just ended up being you what, know what do you mean tell me what you mean like my you know my first tournament as a black belt that i consider like a a, a serious competition will be like the next ibjjf open sure, or something sure, sure. i went down to that tournament to coach my students but then uh the promoter of that tournament you know is like hey black belts are free you know and uh we've got the you know we've got this prize money for the the nogi absolute you know hmm. you should do it and Talked to me and my other friend Brandon Bergeron, who owns uh, St. Paul Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Academy, uh, to compete in like all the all the divisions while we were there. Yeah. But it ended up being a lot of fun. So I was like competing on mat three and then running over and like coaching my my students, then running back for my match. You know. Yeah. yeah. What'd you do with the with the prize money? I didn't win the prize. Oh, money. sorry. Yeah. That was a good good we'll setup. Just call that out. We'll just yeah. call that out. People are like, I got back from that tournament. They're like, how'd you do at the tournament? I was like, man. I did really awesome as a coach. Yeah. My students took yeah. first and first and a second. Nice. And, you know, I was really proud of those guys. And they're like, yeah, but how'd you do? I'm like, I oh, you know. Yeah. Won won a couple matches, lost a couple matches. Which Le- is which learned is a few happened. times. Yeah, learned a few times. Yeah. Uh, it was a fun experience. I do not like the idea of coaching and competing at the same time. No, I'm not it's like a judgment on you. I'm saying no. I totally me, agree. I I almost did it once, and I realized this would have been an absolute disaster. Partly because I just don't have the ability to focus enough, you know, for that kind of thing. So, hats off, man. That seems like that'd be a hell of a day. Like, um, Caitlin was talking to me about it. She brought it up to me um, when I got back from that tournament. She's like, you know, I bet that I bet that took like the pressure off the competing part. So it's true because I was there to coach my students, you yeah. know, and like I said, I didn't think of it as like, a, you know, like an IBJJF open or something that would be harder to do. I'd rather have like somebody else there that I know can also like coach my students because I'm going to be focusing on on my mat, you know, but uh, but yeah, like when I walked on to like I if I got done like yelling and coaching my student and then they're like, oh, Hayden, you're on mat three. I'm just like, oh, I got to go do this thing. Then it was more like mentally like just walking on the mat for for any role so that was that was interesting i don't know if that helped or hurt my performance yeah mentally i think it helped because it's like oh there's no like anxiety but maybe it also hurt it because you know i didn't feel like the the pressure to like go like i would otherwise yeah it's that's uh that'd be an interesting experience again i i don't think i could I think I'd fuck up both ends of it, <laughs> you know, like I would have a terrible performance and then I would drop the ball, you know, then and you again, wouldn't I, be as focused on, on I'm your thinking of like, your, yeah, your I think of like yeah. a lifting scenario though too. Sure. So it's maybe even just different, but well, you're like pre-programming, right? So it's almost like not during the actual lift. That's important as important, right? When you're coaching, when you're out there at a, at a meet, it, the, well, that, I guess what I mean is if somebody's like in the middle of their deadlift, you're not like yeah. yelling like, you know, change your grip slightly right. to the right. right. <laughs> like in jujitsu, yeah, right? yeah. I'm like, hey, grab the collar, take his hand out of the collar. You right. Know? You're not cueing the movements and what what the actions should be at all. If you are, we're in trouble. We're <laughs> we're in deeper water than we we should be at that point. Um, you you went out and got your black belt from Pedro. I did. Yeah. Tell me about that. 
uh yeah that was super cool um yeah so i've always uh been under uh, a lot of people at m3 don't realize this they think i just like come in to m3 because i like training there which is true mm-hmm. but I, i've always been under uh ishmael and greg so like back uh, back through the academy for, yeah and- through my jujitsu um i started training jujitsu in duluth duluth minnesota and uh, when I started training, I was a white belt learning under a one-stripe white belt. Oh, wow. You know? Like, when I remember when uh, my first instructor got his blue belt, it was like, we have a blue belt now. It's yeah. like the coolest thing. But we were under Greg and Ishmael. Who, who was that at the time? Chris Johnson. He owns uh, Apex Jiu-Jitsu now up in Duluth, Minnesota. Sure. He's yeah. a black belt now. Shout out to those guys. Yeah, no kidding. It's my, my home gym or alma mater, if you will. The OG the training o- spot. Yeah, the OG training spot. But uh, it started in a karate studio that myself and Chris Johnson both trained at. So I was uh, a junior black belt in karate at the time. It's like twelve or thirteen, and uh, and Chris was a was a was a karate black belt as well. But he wanted to get into jujitsu. He was like, "Man, UFC one, two had like mm-hmm. just happened." He's like, "What? This stuff looks really cool. Like, where do I go to learn this grappling stuff?" And the karate school we were at, the owner of that school. He was like really open-minded, traditional martial artist. He was always like, "Yeah, you should go." So he liked Muay Thai. So we tra- we trained. He went to Thailand a few times, and we had Muay Thai classes and trained that as well. Um, so he was always um, a fan of like also training other martial arts. And to get like your second degree black belt in karate, you had to pick a different martial art as like an elective. So sure, sure. Chris Johnson was like, "Oh, I'm going to pick ju- Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This stuff looks cool." It's like, where do I go to learn that? And uh, Gary Mativi, Master Mativi, was like, oh, Greg Nelson, you got to go down to the Twin Cities. Right. You know, so he was like the guy. So we brought Greg up for a seminar, uh, and he, like, you know, taught us all how to, like, shrimp and stuff and showed us, like, the basics. And, like, we had no idea what was going on. We we thought we were, like, tough, like, karate guys. Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, I remember I rolled for the first time, and I had, like, no idea what to do. Yeah. I was just, like, completely smashed my bubble of being like this amazing martial artist yeah. was completely burst. And, uh, I had that same experience yeah. yesterday morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. So Greg or Ishmael, Ishmael came up a lot, would come up like every few months and teach a seminar. And then like once a month we would drive down like our little group of six people at the karate studio that wanted to learn jujitsu. We would drive down to the cities we would take Ishmael's Saturday class for an hour and a half, and then we'd do a group private with Greg. It was supposed to be an hour, but he'd always go way over, and it'd be like two or three hours. And then we'd just go back and drill those moves and like try to do it to each other. That's really interesting. Yeah. So you, you had like quarterly seminars up there, and in between you tried to work on the stuff from that mm-hmm. seminar while occasionally coming down to exactly. practice it with them. That's a hell of yeah. a way to start a thing. Yeah, so that was uh my jujitsu experience from like thirteen to to maybe like like sixteen or seventeen. Sixteen or seventeen, then I had a driver's license. I finally convinced my parents to also, like, let hold, me drive hold on, down. Hold on. You were doing that at 13 years old? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed about it because like I've been doing jujitsu oh, long no. enough that I should be better at it by now. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, <laughs> you could probably say that about me too. Like <laughs> It's been a couple of years, bro. Why are you so bad still? You know I mean? But like, I guess I just mean like 
being 13 years old and having that kind of independent initiative taking that's pretty cool i just love i always wanted to be a ninja yeah my parents put me in karate when i was five and i was like this is it i love this this is what i'm gonna do and i did karate like but i didn't do other other sports like when they put my parents put me in hockey or baseball but i wouldn't be into it i'd just be thinking about karate and i go to karate like five days a week and i and i loved it because i thought and i thought that's all there was like man if i because to me it was just i just wanted to be like the best fighter or martial artist in the world so i go to karate every day and then i found out about this muay thai stuff and we started doing like muay thai but then when when i rolled for the first time i was like wait what's jujitsu and they're like, oh, it's this like, you know, it's kind of like, so we have some one steps, they call it in karate, where you take someone down and you like arm bar them quick or something like, oh, it's kind of like the one steps we do, except like, you know, more. I was like, what do you mean more? Like three steps. And they're like, well, so then I rolled and uh, I was like 13 the first time I rolled and uh, I was like probably 120 pounds. But I thought I was this like badass like karate black belt, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. I would take the adult classes and like you know, in timing and sparring, which was like light contact, you know, I'd be you know I'd always win, you know, against adults and stuff. But then I roll with them for the first time, two hundred, you know, guy like pins you, I can't move. Yeah, I remember hating it. I was like, this is awful. Like I hated it so much. I hated that I couldn't get out. I hated that they could do whatever they wanted to me. So I kept going to jujitsu because I hated it. Yeah. You know, I was like, I can never let this happen to me ever again. So I have to keep coming until it stops happening. <laughs> Has it stopped happening? Most of the time. Yeah. Right? There's so always, there's always there, one. You know, in jujitsu, sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail. Uh-huh. And uh, before I was definitely always the nail. Now I'd say I'm the hammer most of the time. Def- definitely most of the time. But... Uh, and now even when I'm the nail, it's usually I can, you know, it's at least competitive, you know, and I, I, I kind of know what's going on now. Yeah. Always. <laughs> even when I'm getting beat, I like know why and what's happening. So when did you move? So, but I have a lot to work on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And plus it all keeps expanding. It keeps still, expanding. Right? Yeah. When, so when did you move down here? When I was 18, as soon as I graduated high school. So. And then started training started, with Greg yeah, at the academy? Started training with Greg and Ishmael at the academy. Yeah. Yeah, when I was 17, uh, I was dating a girl in Eden Prairie. Like, we met at, like, some summer camp. And then I just got my license and convinced my parents to let me, like, drive down there, like, every weekend, hang out with her. So I would drive down, but on my way to visit her in Eden Prairie, I would always stop in Brooklyn Center, take Ishmael's morning class. You know, if I could get there early enough, I'd do the Muay Thai before. And I would, you know, I just started training there on the weekends. I remember the first time I came down, Ishmael was like, what are you doing here? You're like up in Duluth. I'm like, yeah, well, I got a car now, so I'm come down on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's pretty intense, man. So then I was training. I was training. I remember um, the last six months of that relationship. She was like my high school sweetheart. We were kind of already like ready to break up, but like I kept it going because it's like, well, this is my excuse to my parents to drive yeah. down here to get my <laughs> jiu-jitsu training at the academy. <laughs> Uh, because just saying i'm gonna go pursue a passion wasn't enough no no Mm. of course not so yeah when i was 18 i remember my parents were like they thought i was gonna go to college at umd university of minnesota duluth yeah um you know that's what everybody did right that's what everybody did um and then uh you know came time to apply to colleges and stuff 
I only applied to the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. I didn't tell my parents, right? So then, you know, my parents were like, oh, you applied to all the colleges? Yep, I applied to colleges. And it was too late to, you know, keep applying at that point. They're like, okay, where, where all do you apply to? It was like uh, University of Minnesota Twin Cities. And they're like, and? And like UMD. I'm like, nope, only there. They're like, what do you mean only there? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go train at, at Greg's school, you know, train with Greg and Ishmael at the academy. You know, I like, and how, I, <laughs> I like how it's not, I'm going to go get a biology degree down in the Twin Cities. No, it's just like my parents are like, you have to go to college. I'm like, yeah. well, then I'm going to go to the one that's in the cities. And I had like no conception of like where things were in the Twin Cities. In my mind, the cities was just the cities. So yep. yeah. Brooklyn Center, I found out after I started going to the U of M, it's not that close yeah. to the U of M, <laughs> right. especially if you don't have a car. Yeah. So when I was 18, you know, I my parents moved me into the dorms there. And then I was stuck there with no car. I'm like, wait, how do I get to how do I get to Brooklyn Center? I didn't really like think this through, so I had to get a bus pass, and uh, I would bus there every day and back. And I, it took two buses, sometimes three. Yeah. Right. So I would have to bus to from the U of M to downtown Minneapolis, and then walk like Nicollet Mall, I think, and then I would like walk like seven blocks to catch the transfer to Brooklyn Center. And then sometimes there was this like, there was like a bus that would go from the Brooklyn Center Transit to this like bus depot where they go at the end of the night. And that was across the street from, from the academy. But if I didn't, if I wasn't able to get on one of those, I would just walk the last like mile and a half. So, and I did that like five days a week. Dude. And then Saturday, eventually I made friends and Saturdays I was able to convince People like Tally yeah. and Mike Rogers and Kelly right. Johnson to like pick me up on Saturday, like on their way to the academy. And Ishmael would sometimes give me a ride back, you know, because he took pity on me. And he used to live in Egan at the time, so it was like kind of on his way. Right. Yeah. And uh, but I yeah I would bus an hour and a half between busing and walking. It'd be like an hour and a half to get there, and then uh, and then sometimes I'd have to do that back at night. So I would get there by like five thirty and just train the Muay Thai class and then the Jiu Jitsu class. And then Greg used to have this like late night like JKD class where they'd do like stick stuff and knife stuff and mm-hmm. and I'd just be there till like nine thirty or ten and then hope that I could like convince somebody to give me a ride and then if they wouldn't I'd have to I'd have there were a lot of nights where I'd have to, you know, do that commute back on the buses and Bro. Yeah. That's that was, fucking brutal. That was my first semester. And it's super impressive, like <laughs> just making it happen, man. Just making it happen. Yeah. I was a blue belt at that point. Ishmael gave me my blue belt um, right before I graduated um, high school. So he would he like had come up enough times that he told Chris Johnson he's like, hey, we're gonna, I want Hayden to like get ready for his blue belt test, and so then like I drove down and he tested me. So then everybody kind of knew who I was, and I was like, hey guys, like I'm moving here, and uh, and I started my my twin cities martial arts journey from there yeah um second semester much easier i saved up enough money i bought a moped (laughs) and i found like this route from the u of m campus to brooklyn center that didn't require any highways there was only like one road for like a you know like half a mile that was like 50 miles per hour which my moped could not get up to so I would just like, you know, gun it as hard as I could for that half mile and like, apo- you know, wave at the drivers that were pissed at me, but I would make it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're going to, 
uh, ride a moped, you, you damn sure better be a ninja. So it's a good thing you're a ninja. That seems like an easy target. Yeah. How long did you do the moped method? So I did that for all of uh, second semester, freshman. Like even year. in the in the like winter weather and stuff. Yeah. When did I? So I bought the moped. I think during the winter break. And I think I started using it right away. Oh. Semi dangerous. Yeah. But it bundled up. Yeah, man. Halfway through second semester, the funniest thing is I had a in the dorms I was living in across from my room. This guy named Louie, he was like a big, like, you know, football player in high school. But he was a huge Sean Shirk fan. I just remember when I met him, you know, he saw like all my martial arts gear and stuff. And he was like, oh man, you train like the martial arts? I'm like, yeah. And then I saw in his room, like, hey, you're a Sean Shirk fan. I'm like, yeah, I train at the gym that he trains at. Yeah. And he was like, no way. So he was always like fascinated with me, like always leaving to train. And uh, he goes online, looks up my school, and is like, hey, they have, like, a 30-day free trial. So he's like, Hayden, like, uh, can I go to your school with you? I'm like, yeah, sure. He's like, yeah, they got, like, a 30-day free trial. I scheduled an appointment. So you you can, like, when do you get there uh, tomorrow usually? I'm like, oh, I get there by, like, 530. He's like, okay, well, I'll go with you then. I'm like, I ride a moped there. He's like, and he didn't see the problem at all. He's like, yeah, so I'll go with you on your moped. He's, like, 6'2". <laughs> Like 220 yeah. pounds or whatever. Right, right. And I was like, you know, a buck 50 back then. Uh, and I'm like, you don't see the yeah. issue here? He's like, yeah, I'll just go. And uh, and he <laughs> went. So, he, so, so then I had him riding on the back of my moped. And then he's like carrying our bags, <laughs> you know. And I commuted us to the academy 30 minutes and back. And, uh, and he loved it, of course. So then he... But he didn't have any money, so he just went for the 30-day free trial, which you can only come like twice a week or whatever to your foundations classes because you didn't know anything, right? Yeah. So so for four weeks, you know, two, maybe it was three times a week, you know, I had him on the back of my moped <laughs> for a whole month. Oh, man. That's going to be a good scene in the movie. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, strange. Keep going. Okay. Tell me the rest. Tell you the rest. So yeah. So, yeah, that was second semester. So did that. Um, but yeah, then I had a little, uh, a little hiatus, um, from the Twin Cities. I actually moved to North Carolina for a year. What for? To, uh, run someone else's martial arts academy. It's kind of where I got like my, my, the start of my, like, um, my, uh, unofficial, like degree in martial arts business, sure. if you will, my streets learning. Yeah. You know, school of hard knocks. School of so. hard knocks. Um, yeah, I went uh, the. I grew up like in like the karate studio, uh, and like my like second dad growing up was like Master Mativi and his wife Mrs. Mativi. You know, I started in their mini ninja program when I was like five, um, and just loved karate. And if it wasn't for their school and their openness to like add a jujitsu program and Muay Thai, I wouldn't be into and where I am today as well. Right, right. And and they you know mentored me through you know, my martial arts journey. But when I was 16, so I was like a second, second degree black belt in karate at that point. Um, they decided to sell their school and move to North Carolina. And, uh, so then I kept training at, at the, the school that they, that they sold. And I would like help the owner of that school. Cause I, I outranked him 
and karate at that point <laughs> and would help with like the Muay Thai program and stuff. And at that point, the jiu-jitsu program had grown enough that Chris Johnson opened his own little space. So then I was training at, at both those places for my, my striking and then for my, my jiu-jitsu. Um, but yeah, he moved to, to North Carolina. But he was like my second dad growing up. So both spring breaks uh, in high school, I, I like went, flew out there um and like spent the week with them and like and then of course like they opened a new school there right but uh i remember i went out there i visited him for spring break uh freshman year of college and spent a week out there and he he liked jujitsu enough um like he got hooked on jujitsu when we had our jujitsu program uh even though chris johnson was running it um so like i said he was really open-minded so he liked muay thai even though he was a seventh degree black belt in karate and then you know he rolled and he like he really liked jujitsu so when he opened his new school in north carolina he also uh made it a pedro sour liation and had a jujitsu program so he taught karate to kids and then and then they had adult jujitsu and adult muay thai so when i went out there and visited him you know i trained jujitsu every day and muay thai and then i'd help with the kids karate classes and and then we trained karate too and and uh and he's like man he's like what are you gonna do with the rest of your life i was like what are you talking about <laughs> you know i'm like 18 hadn't nine, thought nine, about nine, it yet. yeah i'm like what are you? i'm like i train martial arts like i moved to the city so i'm like you left so i had no reason to stay in duluth <laughs> that you know right. except to train with like chris but you know chris and us we were learning from greg and ish I was like i'm gonna go to the source you know so i'm like yeah i train in, in uh in the tra-. he's like yeah that's great you're training it's awesome but what are you gonna do after you finish college and you know i'm like well I don't know what should I do. He's like, he's like, you grew up in a martial arts academy. You should run a martial arts academy. I'm like, that'd, that'd probably be a cool, cool idea. He's like, that's what you do. You teach, you know. I'm like, all right. He's like, well, you're gonna have to learn how to do that though. He's like, so if you want, you can move out here, live with us, and I'll show you how to run a martial arts academy. Pretty sweet deal. And you know, it, and of course, it was great for him because. It was free labor for him, right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he paid for my room and my food, you know. Right, right, right. But so he called it an internship, yeah. right? So he was like, yeah, well, how about I give you an internship? You know, you live with us. And he's like, what better way to learn? Like, going to school for business is great or whatever, but if you want to really learn this business, you need to experience it. And if you live with us, you'll see the full lifestyle, like how we live our personal lives around running a school and stuff. And so... So that's what uh, so that's what I did. You know, I told Andy, that's the manager of uh, the academy, Greg Nelson School, yeah. in Brooklyn Center. I was like, "Hey, um, I'm gonna need you to put my membership on hold. I'm like, I'm gonna come back, but I'm <laughs> gonna go to North Carolina and uh, take this opportunity to learn how to run a martial arts school. And you know, I'm still gonna train while I'm out there and stuff. Um, you know, and I talked to Ishmael about it. You know, I'm like, hey." Obviously, the training here is is better. Like, there's purple belts, brown belts, black belts for me to roll with here. And when I go there, I'll be, like, the highest-ranking guy, and I'm only, like, a two-stripe blue belt. (laughs) And I'll be, like, teaching a bunch of white belts, you know? But Ishmael was super supportive, too. He was like, yeah, I mean, you'll learn where else, you know, what better way to, like, learn more about running. But he didn't think I was going to come back. I was like, I'll be back. He's like, you're not coming back. He's like... He's like, the weather's so nice. Why would you come <laughs> yeah. back? Well, he's like, once you experience like the warmth there, he's like, you're never coming back. Yeah. But I, I did come back. Yeah, but, clearly. So, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. What what year was that that you were? So dying? that was uh so that would have been so after my freshman year of college, which started in two thousand eleven. So that was 
That was 2012, 2013. Sure. Fall of 2012, spring of 2013. What what prompt? Uh, why did you come back? Was it just like, just cool, mi- we're missed, done? And No, yeah, he wanted me to stay. Yeah. And even pitched the idea of like eventually I'd buy the school from them or just take it over completely, sure, you know. Sure. But, uh, and I really liked the people out there. I'd built up uh, a pretty good student base in, in jujitsu and Muay Thai and our in our karate program, which we made was mostly kids. But, uh, you know, I really missed the training with Ishmael, with Greg Nelson, all the friends that I'd right. you know, built relationships with in that, in that one year and a little bit before when I was coming down on weekends. You know, I miss the people. Minnesota nice, man. We got, <laughs> we got the best people. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, so we, when, so you came back here 2014 ish. 2013-ish? Yeah, the end of 2000... Well, not the end, the... Uh, so, like, May, end of May 2013, right? That'd be right. And then it was just full blast into BJJ training? Just for full the blast into BJJ and Muay Thai. And back then, I wanted to be, you know, a killer MMA fighter. So, I was yeah. always training both Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu. But when I got back, I remember it was uh, Ishmael had been in California like the year. So he ended up like leaving uh, a little bit after I did. So Ishmael and I were both gone f- from Minnesota for mm-hmm. like the same year. Yeah. I talked to him about that. Yeah. yeah. So when I came back, uh, it was around the same time he came back and then he decided he was going to open his own school. Um, and I remember I, I had super mixed feelings. Like I was super happy for Ishmael. I was like, yeah, of course. But, uh, but I remember it was also like, the saddest moment for me because I was like oh man so it wasn't even a question in my mind it's like now I'm gonna have to figure out how to train at two schools you know (laughs) you know because I still I wanted to be an MMA fighter and you know Greg uh, was you know in my mind and still in my mind you know the place to be yes if you want to be a successful uh, mixed martial arts fighter um, in Minnesota Uh, and he's got awesome Muay Thai awesome awesome grappling for MMA awesome jujitsu so, but, but Ishmael was always, you know, was always like, I always trained, I always took all of Greg's classes, all of his jujitsu classes and all of Ishmael's is what I, what I used to do when I was, when I was there <clears throat> before I'd come back. So, and then when I came back, I was hired by the Academy. That's part of why I came back as well as I convinced Andy to hire me. So I was like, okay, sweet. Like I can, instead of running this school, I can work at like a, a mega school right and then still get to train with like what was my mind the best people yeah so i get like the best of both worlds i get the professional martial arts professional life but i also get the training i want right and probably more time to train and even more time just given that you're working for the gym not running the show not running the gym yeah there's a lot of work into being like a it was a smaller school right he just opened it so you're building it up you're, like you're a one, doing everything. You're doing yeah. everything, yeah. which was an awesome experience. <clears throat> but I was answering the calls, calling prospects, meeting walk-ins. I was the janitor. Yeah. I was the sales guy. Yeah. Yeah. I was the instructor for all the kids' classes, adult classes. You know, I was like the maintenance guy, like unclogging, fixing toilets and stuff. You know, I did it, did everything, right? Whereas you go to a school like Brooklyn Center, they had like 600 students at the time, and they have you know, full staff, you know, focusing on all of their things. And, and over time I've done every job there as well, but 
but you know it, it's you know the load is spread out so then we have time to to train and you know do more training like yeah. you were like you were saying right yeah uh did you fight i did you I did fun i've had four mma fights four muay thai fights plus two smoker fights so you could say you could say six yeah yeah see i, I had no idea about that stuff i just know you're from jiu-jitsu you're a jiu-jitsu guy i'm just a jiu-jitsu guy now. Jiu-jitsu. <laughs> what's that yeah, my last one wasn't that long ago. Actually, it was two years ago. Maybe a little more now. A little more than two years ago now. The, uh, mixed? A you know, mixed martial arts yeah, fight. Yeah. How are yeah. you? You pretty good? Uh, I've got a 50-50 record. <laughs> sure. So my best record out of everything. So you were talking about, like, what about jujitsu records? Yeah. So I was thinking about, you know, my best record was actually in Muay Thai. But that's because I quit while I was ahead, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, three and one, and the and the one that I lost was, you know, like, you know, went the distance. I thought it was pretty close. And, uh, and then I had my two smoker fights, which aren't judged, but I totally won those fights. I believe you. you. And I. Yeah. <laughs> I should have stuck to, stuck to the face punching. No way, dude. Jiu-jitsu is uh, so fun though. Yeah. Uh, you got more fights in you? Yeah. I never say, mm. it's hard for me to say that I'm done. Cause every time I'm, Logically, I would, and, you know, jujitsu is the most fun to me to compete in. And logically, I'm like, it makes the most sense because you can get that competitive outlet um, without have to, having to worry about, uh, you know, taking shots to your brain, right? But every time one of my friends or training partners has an MMA fight and does well, I'm like, oh, yeah, I should, you yeah. know. I'm going to start training for MMA again. The draw is still there. And then I'm like, no, bad Hayden. And then I'm like, ah, oh, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a solid maybe, right? It's a now. solid, yeah. a solid maybe. Okay. I'm having a lot of fun competing and traveling for jujitsu and coaching, you know. But, uh, but I am, I'll always be uh, a Muay Thai uh, student and trainer and lover of it as well. And to me, mixed martial arts is like, you know, it lets you do, lets you do it all, right? So, uh, keep the keep the tail going. We're back. Oh, and it's we're, a long we're, tail. We're back. Yeah, tail. yeah. But we're like a third of the way in. It seems like. So you're yeah, back, you're not back even in a Brooklyn. purple belt yet. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the story. Keep it going. So I was in North Carolina for a year, and I learned a, I learned a ton. It was I think it was really good for my uh, jujitsu. Actually, you know, there was it was a good experience in the long run for me to um Justin Chapweski who's a, a black belt in the uh you know like he's like part of our Greg Nelson Ishmael Pedro Sauer family tree as well I don't mm-hmm. know if you've met mm-hmm. him or heard oh, of him oh. um you know he said it he said it really well um uh when let's see when I was in when I was in North Carolina I went to Brazil and did the Brazil trip uh, 10 days in Brazil with Pedro Sauer and we trained. It was awesome. And, uh, I'd been in North Carolina for a few months at that point. So it's the first time I'd been training regularly without like a black belt instructor or like any instructor, like telling me what to do. And then like, I'm the instructor. Right. So I'm like, Oh man, is like my jujitsu just going to tank compared to my peers, you know, like, uh, 
my peers at the time who are still training were like fee you know fee um and uh and danny both those guys at uh, prodigy martial arts so shout out to them we all like kind of came up or started around the same time you know but i was training with with justin common and tally and you know ishmael and and uh kelly all of those guys um and i was like man while i'm gone they're gonna keep getting way better than me because they're rolling with like upper belts and like getting harder rolls and i'm like teaching white belts you know but i remember when i went on the to the brazil camp and then uh i rolled with some of those guys some people from the academy ended up uh ended up going on that trip too which i didn't know we just ran into each other in brazil I'm like no way minnesota and <laughs> brazil like i'm i'm I didn't, I wasn't yeah. coming to Brazil to hang out with Minnesotans, but here we are, you <laughs> yeah. know, cause yeah. we're all Pedro Sauer. So, and, uh, to my surprise, I had not become like suddenly much worse than them. Like, like we were still getting better at like a similar rate. And, uh, Justin Chapwesky was like, yeah, man, you know, when, uh, when you have Ishmael or, or Greg or whoever, or your coach around all the time, you know, the responsibility of your jujitsu and it proving upon it you kind of put it on them or you can right any little problem that comes up oh this guard pass didn't work you go straight to them like hey how come you know like what should i have done differently which is great like you should utilize them he's like but when you go off because he had a similar track like he was training with us and then like he moved to montana and then you know he didn't have anyone to train with so i think he started teaching you know a club or whatever and he's like when you start when you don't have an instructor and now and, and you're the instructor. It's like, if you run into an issue, you have to take responsibility for your jujitsu growth and, you know, do like the hard thinking, like, well, why, why isn't this working? What should I do differently? You know, so that was a great experience for me. Cause I totally, I totally utilize Greg and Ishmael and, and, uh, and all the other black belts. Now I still I'm like, Hey, what, what do you think I should do here? But I don't just rely on their answer. You know, like I learned, it forced me to like, learn to like, think for myself as well and then like compare like what they would do versus what my initial thought would be and sometimes I pick their answer but sometimes I pick somewhere in the middle between you know there's some maybe a little bit more of a creative problem solving process right because you had right. to because I had I, to I got to right? figure out the answer I can't just ask this guy over here exactly exactly it's interesting so I spent a full year you know away from like uh fee and Danny for example and uh so they're training with like these upper belts and like i'm teaching right so i'm like oh man so i remember when i came back for winter break so i've been gone for six months and i came back excuse me to visit my family for winter break um i was like hey while i'm out there i'm gonna i'm gonna train at the academy and uh adam franco do you know adam franco no i don't so he's a black belt under under ishmael he's on the wall um great guy he moved to new york uh trains at marcelo garcia's now but uh, he and Tao, I can't remember who made the page. They made like a Facebook event. It's like Hayden Buckner is coming back to Minnesota this day. We're going to have an Invicta fighting match between him and uh, Fee. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're like taking bets, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they made this big thing. Like Fee had to be there that day. I was coming back and they made us do like, and, and then they were serious about it. Like we were all like, haha. But then after class, you know, they were like, all right, guys, they put Fee and I in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Ishmael's in California at this point, so it was the class that would have been his, so I don't know who was teaching it instead, but it's like a free-for-all now, like Tao and, 
Adam are like in charge now, I guess. And so they're making the blue belts like cockfight basically. (laughs) (laughs) So, so they made, you know, they set the timer and they're like, all right, Fee and Hayden go, you know, and, uh, and, uh, it was, uh, it was super close, you know, it wasn't like I didn't get destroyed by this guy who'd gotten to keep training with the upper belts, you know, uh, yeah, I feel like I shouldn't be like bragging on here about mattwins.com, but, uh, but, uh, I totally won that, that match. Right. But at the end when it was over, I was like, I was like, I did the score in my head. I'm like, I won. Like, all right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I like eked out, like, it was like, I eked out like a two point win by the, by the end. And they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like, so they were like debating who won, you know, and Tao's obviously his family <laughs> member. He's like, I think, you know, Fee won. <laughs> so then somebody was like, we'll, we'll send it to Ishmael's. They filmed it. Oh, so Ishmael's in California. So, so they sent it to Ishmael or maybe they posted it in like the event group and they tagged Ishmael and they're like, yeah. Ishmael, you score it and tell us the, we need a neutral and, uh, party he to goes, speak up. Yeah. We, I got to find it. I can find it, take a screenshot of it or something. And, but Ishmael is like, you know, the Southerner was me, you know, ekes out, you know, two point win, you know, and I was like, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and when a Southerner calls you a Southerner. Yeah. The Southerner calls me a Southerner. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not getting worse while I'm like away. Yeah. But you know, being back for like those three weeks during winter break, I was like, yeah, I miss it here. I miss training with these guys. You know, it's like, and I th- so at that point I decided like, okay, after this next semester, you know, I'm moving, I'm moving back. I'm right. flying back. Right. You know, and then I started to already plant the the seeds while I was while I was back. Um, I reached out to Andy, the manager of that school, of Greg Nelson's school, um, like right before I flew out for winter break, was like, hey, you know, like I've been like running this school out here, been running the kids program and teaching jujitsu and Muay Thai to the adults. You know, I would love to like, you know, shadow you and like, you know, intern for you for free while I'm back for three weeks. Like I can mop the mats and like get you coffee and just like follow you guys around. And he was like, heck yeah. Awesome. Really. I just wanted him, them to like not charge me while I was back for those three weeks. You know, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to yeah. train, find it, have an excuse to train for free. Yep. But he was down. He was like, yeah, he let me like sit in on like their, their sales meetings and like their weekly staff meetings. And, and I mopped the mats and stuff. And, yeah. and I did bring him coffee and like, <laughs> I did go like pick up his lunch or whatever, but that's where like I started that, you know, planted that, that little seed, like, Hey, like I'm, I'm cool. And like, you should keep me around. And, uh, so then I messaged him in like April and was like, Hey, I'm coming back. You know, like I could like run your, I could like help with your kids or something, you know, like, cause they're always looking for people to do the kids stuff, you know? Um, and he hit me back with, Hey, if, uh, you want, like you move out here, like we'll have you like run, our kids summer camp would be like nine hours a day, you know, like babysitting kids and teaching them jujitsu and Muay Thai, mm-hmm. which was, it was awful. But I was like, yes, I'm in, you know, <laughs> did you say it was that, awful? Yeah, it was awful, but that's how I got my foot in the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know? So I ran like for, it was like for four weeks too. So it was like four weeks straight of oh, like, bro. I get there at like, you know, the camp started at like nine. So I'd get there at like eight and like Greek kids and like, you know, and then they'd finally be done at like five and then five thirty, I had to like help with the regular kids class. And then I would book it out there and go to Ishmael school and train at M theory at night. Man. <laughs> it's like, I'm done with this. <laughs> Your machine brother. Yeah. Do me a favor. Uh, take a drink of that beer. Yes. There you go. Take your time. Enjoy that. 
<laughs> Do you still teach kids classes? I have not taught a kids class, even though that was like what got me in the door in like five years. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> That's a high burnout thing. It's, it's a, a, yeah, I burn. It's I also a rank out. thing, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> let's be real. I have a purple belt teaching my kids classes now. You know, that's how. Is that Dom? Yeah, Dom. Yeah. He's so good with the kids. It seems like it. He's just, better than I ever was. Just stuff online or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, he's really good with the kids. He's really natural at it. He used to teach like kids, uh, kids like swimming. So I think that's where he like uh, cut his teeth originally. And then he loves martial arts. You know, so it became a natural um, fit for him. Sure. You know? But five years from now, he won't be teaching kids classes. <laughs> but this is my point. He'll burn out and he'll... Yeah, uh, yeah man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find a new purple belt. <laughs> With I think Ish is probably the exception to that, right? He he teaches every damn class. He teaches every kid's class and he's know? done it for like, yeah. like te- what, 10 years now? Seems like it. You know? And he doesn't, if you were going to burn out, you would have burnt out by now, I assume. Yeah. So Part you, of me wants to get back into teaching kids. Why? Because I want to have that, uh, I want to have that, that impact. Like I, I, I did enjoy teaching kids. I think part of the reason I burned out before was a maturity thing as well. Now that I've. I've aged, um, <laughs> gotten hopefully better at jujitsu as well. Um, yeah, I think, I think I could, I think I could handle it a lot easier. You know, part of it is just like the mental bandwidth of like dealing with, you know, cause kids do kids things. They like, they don't listen or they run or they scream or they do whatever. And if you watch Ishmael, you know, he doesn't try to force control the class, right? He's still like, he, he he tries to get them to be disciplined, but he, you know, he lets them he lets them be kids and then brings them back in. You know, if they do something, if they do some weird kid thing, he's like, okay, well now let's do the armbar. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. don't let it bother you. You there's, just move on to the next thing. There's like loose enough reins to let right. let them make the decision to fall in line. There's sure. also the push up wall. There's also the push up so, wall. You know, yeah. like you you have your line. <laughs> you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> Uh, so you're almost purple belt now working at the academy, having moved back? Yeah, so I moved back, got a job running the kids' camp and the kids' classes. Yeah. And then when the kids' camp was over, then they they trained me in on, you know, how to do introductory lessons and, you know, teach, you know, somebody who, you know, for their free trial class and how to, how to enroll people and get them started. And so they started teaching me all the other things. So I worked for them, you know, I got paid to teach kids' classes and, uh, eventually like foundations, jujitsu classes, I would like substitute when the coach was out and stuff. And eventually they like liked what I was doing enough or trust me enough that I'd like would take over classes like that. And, and then I got commission only for, for enrolling students, you know, and got pretty good at that. And yeah, so then that I was, you know, doing martial arts, the professional side of it, Yeah. you know, I'm like, all right, this is what, this is what I want to do. I'd like train Muay Thai in the morning. I don't know how, but I would get up at like 6 a.m. And uh, Ryan Murray uh, and John Aaron's would like run like the 7 a.m. to like nine, like training session. Uh, 
for like Muay Thai. So we would like run, we would like run three miles and then jump rope and then shadow box and then hit the bag and then hit pads. And sometimes we timing spar and we do all that stuff. Then I would have an intro lesson, you know, so then I go like teach an intro, you know, then I'd shower quick at the gym and I'd greet someone and be like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Have you ever done martial arts before? Blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> and, uh, give them a, a basic intro lesson and, you know, how to throw a jab or a cross or a hip bump sweep in a Kimura, you know, whatever they're into. And then I'd try to get that done by like 1030 and 11 o'clock, it'd be time to roll. You know, we'd put our gi on, we'd roll hard, like 11 to 1230. That's still my favorite rolling time, that exact same group. If I was getting ready for an MMA fight during that time, Greg Nelson would run an MMA practice. So put the small gloves on. It'd Monday, Wednesday, Friday would be like, uh, would be like uh, grappling with gloves days. So we'd you know, start on the feet and like throw a couple punches. Somebody would take someone down and then we'd go live from there, grapple with, with punches. Um, and then I'd have, you know, I'd shower, eat something quick. And then I'd have like an intro lesson at like two or three, you know, cause that's how I needed to make money <laughs> and I'd, you know, hopefully sign them up so then I could get paid. And then I teach a kid's class at five thirty, which is like my guaranteed twenty dollar income, you know. Nice. And then that's after tomorrow's the kids lunch, class is right? over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's tomorrow's lunch. So then when the kids' class is over, I'd bail and I'd uh, I'd change quick and I'd drive to M theory as quick as possible and be late for Ishmael's advanced class. Yeah. You know, which I still always am, even though I don't have an excuse now. Yeah. yeah. But, so you were weaving in and out of being an instructor and an employee and a trainee yourself yeah. all day, every day. Yep. And that's what I did for like two, three years. Man. Two, yep. Probably three years. Loved it. Didn't, you know, made very little money. Enough to, enough to live, eat, be happy. You yeah. Know. That's enough. Eventually, you know, some of the people I'd give uh, intro lessons to, or <clears throat> eventually I took over like the foundations jujitsu class at 10 a.m. So then I had two guaranteed like stable incomes right i get my like my 20 bucks teaching 10 a.m and then my 20 bucks teaching the kids at 5 30 <laughs> and then you know and then i did intro lessons and stuff and but then you know some people would like how i taught you know and uh you know they would buy you know like a pack of private lessons from me and that'd be that'd be like my big money like yeah, I got yeah. private lesson students now you know so i was which i i loved i loved teaching uh, I really enjoyed teaching the adults jujitsu. Um, you know, I was just teaching them like the basics. So it was like hip bump sweeps and kimuras and like the white to blue old school jujitsu stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, so it was like, I trained Muay Thai and then, and then be MMA or jujitsu. And then for a while, Greg had this like three to five Muay Thai training session that we would do. And then I go train with Ishmael at night. It's like my my routine. Yeah, and you said that was a couple three years of that that grind. Yeah, that was a couple couple three years. Then of what? That grind. Um, somewhere in there, I got my purple belt. Uh-huh. Got my purple belt from Pedro Sauer. Um, Up here, or did you go out? I flew out to Atlanta. Mm. So that's the thing. At this point, you know, like when so Ishmael opened his school and I moved back, and I was like, well, it's no no choice. Like I have to got to train where Ishmael is. But I also got to, you know, train at uh, Greg's school and train with Greg. Um, that's like, I moved down here to train with Ishmael and Greg. So it's like, and uh, and and then I have, you know, uh, work commitments, you know, working at uh, Greg's school. So, so it's tr- but I was training under both. So uh, it's like, wait, who do I, who do I get promoted under? 
right? You gotta go up. Yeah. So and Andy <laughs> kind of came up with the solution. You know, he came up with like the, the yeah, like the the best like political solution. You know, <laughs> he was you know sure. first he's like oh man he's like, uh, you know he's like I think uh, you probably be a purple belt soon. I was like oh really? Yeah. And he's like but you know we got to figure out, you know we got to come up with like uh, we got to figure out with Ishmael and Greg like a joint test or something. You know I was like oh it'd be cool. He was like or he's like you've been I'd been to Brazil once at that point no twice and he was like you know professor sour pretty well you could just test under pedro sour directly so that was like the that was like the the solution i just yeah. test under pedro and then you know i'm training under ishmael and greg but then i get my my black whip from you know the our all of our masters you right, know right yeah the yeah. master of the association and it's just pretty cool it just yeah seems it was cool. super cool yeah. yeah i flew out there um at that point he almost had my name memorized because I'd been to Brazil with him twice. Sure. <laughs> he knew it was an H. H's are hard for um, yeah. uh, Latin speakers, I, I believe. Uh, and he wasn't an exception. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now he's got, it's funny, every time I see him now, like the first thing, he, he always says my name really loud the first time he sees me because you know it like took him so long to like yeah. get it down so every time he's like hayden <laughs> it really accentuates the h you know that's good that's good um, did you get did you get all the rest of the belts from him Brown? no so i got I, so i got my blue belt from ishmael yep. in brooklyn center at the academy when i was uh 18 the end of my high school career and then i got my purple belt from uh pedro sour um 2014 may of 20 14 um and even even that one you know ishmael's the one that told me it was time to time to test and he even you know ishmael he even offered to like he you know he was like hey like let me know um if uh the way i found out that ishmael wanted me to become a purple belt is we were at the chicago open and i'd like just lost in like the third round and i was like bumming i was like oh and he was like well You'll have uh, better luck at uh, at Worlds in a few months as a purple belt. And I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, yeah, it's uh, time to do that. And uh, so then he and Greg like both called Professor and were like, hey, we want you to, to promote this guy to, to purple. But then, you know, Ishmael called me back and was like, hey, so you're going to test there. Let, like, let me know. Um, I think they have like a testing fee. You know, if, if you need help with that, like let me know. I'll like you know, send you the money for that. And I was like, perfect coach, you don't need to, you don't need to do that. But like, that's just yeah. how yeah, yeah. Ishmael is, you know? Um, so I got my purple belt there. And then, uh, I got my brown belt from Greg. Um, and then I got my black belt from professor again, uh, with, uh, with, uh, Ishmael and Greg's, uh, blessing. Andy told me about that. And he's like, Hey, it's time for you to test for black belt. He's like, I, I asked Ishmael and Greg, and they both both approve about you going to professors and getting your belt. And I was like, all nice. right. And where, where you said where that was? Virginia? Virginia, Virginia. yeah. So at Pedro Sauer's um, headquarters school, the headquarters school of the association. Um, it was like part of a seminar type of thing? Yes, yeah, so it was a camp. It was like yep. a three-day training camp, and I went out there a couple of days early. My mom lives out there in D.C. Oh, so that works out, huh? Yeah, so I stayed. Uh, she lives on a boat in uh 
in DC. Sweet. It's rad. Is it yeah. in the water? Or is yeah, it just, yeah, it's okay, in the water. Good. They like <laughs> drive. They like drive it around on the weekends. Yeah, you know? that's sweet. Her and her, her and her husband. Um, she's always wanted to live on a boat. So when she like turned fifty five, she's like, "I'm doing it." You know, I'm on a boat. A, yeah. <laughs> so I'll stay on the boat with her, and then uh, borrow her car. And uh, professor school is like in uh, Herndon, uh, Virginia, which is like thirty minutes from uh from dc kind of yeah that works out amazing yeah, yeah it works out really good so yeah. so i trained got out there a couple of days early and went over the black belt test material with uh, the guy I ended up taking the test with uh who managed the school there so he was kind of like the me or andy of that school sure yeah yeah, and then we and then you know went through all the old school moves, which is Elio Gracie's book, like Brian Hollenbeck talked about. Mm-hmm. He flips the page, just do all the standing self defense without weapons, and then with weapons. Uh, and it's kind of cool. Some of the, some of the moves are pretty practical. A lot of them, you know, it's like you just you know it's like the tradition, and those are Elio Gracie's original moves that he put in the book. So so we do them, but. <laughs> Some of them are kind of comical, but yeah, sure. but I make them look as good as possible. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, and then uh, and that was cool. Uh, the professor actually had since Greg was there, um, uh, like professor took my belt off and then he had Greg tie it on and then professor choked me. <laughs> nice. Yeah, get to get the first one. He got he got the first choke and he always says he has you put your belt around your your neck and then he always says, "All right, my friends, your last time getting choked is a brown belt." Yeah, and he puts it on. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I do. I'm not a big pomp and circumstance kind of guy. Like, let's all just calm down with the <laughs> celebrations sure. for everything, you know. But there Black are some smack blow. Well, but, yeah. that's what I would. But say. Th- there are some things where some of that stuff, even if it's to the point of cheesiness, let it be. Just do it. You yeah. know, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah. So, that's uh, yeah, it's kind of my my journey. So yeah, for the most part, I always trained at Greg school and at, at Ishmael school, there was like a one year, one or two year break where I wasn't at M theory very much. So I opened my own school As in, was the, my in next the middle question. of all of this. Yeah. What, when was that? What year? So I opened my school 2016, September, 2016. Where is it? It's in Eden Prairie. It's what? called the Academy Eden Prairie. <laughs> that's, that's good branding. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, so I opened mine as an affiliate of Greg's school yep. um, when I first uh, opened it. There'd been a, a few others uh, who had, you know, left eventually and opened their own schools that, you know, that like worked for Greg, like myself. And then when they left and opened their own schools, they opened them as affiliates, almost like a, a franchise, right? Because they use the same mm-hmm. brand, same mm-hmm. logo, um, same, you know, same business systems same uh class schedule structures and stuff and uh and uh you know we uh we use like the same same geese and stuff same uniforms for muay thai and the ranking system so so i saw how they did it so when i had the opportunity saw the opportunity to potentially open uh my own school and what i thought would be a good space and kind of far away far enough away from greg's school you know i just sat down with them was like hey i've always wanted to open my own school you know, that's always like, that's been my professional goal, you know, uh, what to do with like my life. Um, but I always want to be a part of the Academy and I'm like 
for like internally indebted to like how much I've learned from you and being here. Um, so like I, I'll only open it like with your blessing and if it can be an affiliate, you know? So he was like, I was super nervous when I sat down and talked to him about it. <laughs> it's like you're, you're going to ask his daughter to marry her or something. Almost, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. And I remember, uh, the first thing he thought, he's like, where is it? I'm like, oh, it's in, it's in Eden Prairie. I'm like, so it's like 20 miles from your school, you know? And he's like, oh, cool. He's like, what other, what other schools are around there? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And he like pulls up the map. He's like, oh, that's like, uh, you know, next near school to that is like, uh, Alliance. I'm like, yeah, Greg's super competitive. You know, we, you know, we're, we're all friends and stuff, but, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. so I, you know, he meant this in the best way, you know, and we wish the best for Alliance, but he's like, oh sweet we can take over alliances yeah. area you yeah, know like, yeah <laughs> that's what everybody's thought yeah. would be no matter how serious or <laughs> yeah, humorous yeah, yeah. You'd be like all right he's like yeah but uh, but i have lots of friends uh at alliance and uh you know it's an awesome school too and you know but it's like different uh you know different restaurants you know different flavors people mm-hmm. like to train it you know i'm not i don't really uh i don't really think of you know in martial arts like i'm not competing against other martial arts schools i'm competing against uh like baseball and uh other activities and video games you know i'm like yeah i'm competing at like what people do with their with that their seems huge to me yeah like if if everybody's bickering about where i should do jujitsu well the real problem is why isn't more people doing why aren't jiu-jitsu? more people doing jujitsu? <laughs> like yeah it's a huge i'm not trying yeah, yeah if, if we were like competing with each other, i'm not trying to like get other school students like i don't want your students yeah, want i'm trying to get more people into martial arts right, right you know so so yeah i'm all nervous like is he gonna say it he's just like oh man yeah that'd be a great spot for like us to branch out as like a organization yeah and i'm like so is that a is that like a yes yeah, that like just a, <laughs> give me the yes or no. yeah. <laughs> he's like oh yeah go talk to andy you know and uh you know they you know andy made uh my website and uh you know, I get tons, tons of help from those guys and, and it's cool. Like I'm far enough away. I feel like all of the affiliates in the, in the twin cities, we're far enough away that we don't compete directly with each other, but close enough that we can like come together and like help each other, you know, who, who all are the Academy affiliates. So there's, uh, there's the Academy, uh, in Brooklyn center, which I, I affectionately call the Academy HQ, you know, there's sure, the, the yeah. And then uh, the Academy Elk River, it's like the first one in Minnesota to like branch out as an affiliate school, I believe. And then there's uh, St. Paul Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy. So that's Brandon Bergeron's school. The unique part about his school is he only does Jiu-Jitsu. It is. The rest of us do, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai. And, oh, and, sure. Uh, so like the mi- We're like the mixed martial arts schools, yeah. you know. So it's kind, of, it's kind of like M-Theory. Yeah, yeah. Jiu-Jitsu. He's, yeah. He, so he's only Jiu-Jitsu. And then, uh, yeah, let's see. And then there's my school, the Academy in Press. That's four, right? Elk River, Brooklyn Center, yeah. St. Paul, Eden Prairie. So we're all at, like, you know, different corners of the right. Twin Cities, you know? Almost like you planned it. Well, yeah, yeah almost yeah. like we planned it, you know? And then, uh, yeah, I don't know if it could have been planned better. And then uh, it's cool because we all, like, uh, we come together during the day, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We go to the HQ. Sure. So myself, Brandon Bergeron. Uh, Adam Ahern owns the Academy Elk River, so he comes when when he can make it. And that's actually that's a cool element too that it's not just like yep we signed this licensing agreement for logos and then we're just over here. No, forever. we all like work together, yeah, and grow yeah. together. So it's cool on like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 
we all go like the owners, right? And uh, Andy and Nat, the, the two managers of uh, the Academy HQ are there and Greg's there. Um, and then we all try to bring our staff. So like Brandon will bring his managers and his instructors when he can. And I always encourage my staff to come this time. So it's the 11 a.m. rolling time. So we all come together and we just roll hard and try to tear each other's heads off, you know, Mm -hmm. harder than, you know, in a way that we couldn't, you know, it's it's very safe and controlled and friendly. But, (laughs) you know, when I, when I'm rolling in the evening, it's kind of like we were talking about, you know, focusing on coaching for your students versus you competing yourself. When I'm rolling in the evening with my students, you know, my number one concern is uh, them getting better and that they're having a fun time while they're rolling. You know, jujitsu should be super fun. Um, when I'm rolling at 11 a.m., I'm not rolling with my students. Yeah. You know, not that I want like the Brooklyn Center students that are there when we're rolling to like quit, but <laughs> but I'm I'm there to focus on getting better myself. So that's when I roll the hardest is uh, like 11 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday in Brooklyn Center, and and 12 p.m. Uh, at M3 uh, with it uh, at Ishmael's practice. So so it's cool. We come together. We roll hard. We try to tear each other's heads off from like 11 to 12:30, and then at 12:30, we'll like all sit down, exhausted, and we'll have like uh, all hands on deck academy staff meeting. Sure. You know, and we'll just talk about what's what's working, what's not um, on the business side. You know how you know what's working for getting more people interested in coming in and trying classes. Um, what like weird things have happened. You know, like while teaching classes. So we'll talk about everything from from sales to, um, to, you know, class structure and like how classes are going or like, you know, if we can all like mastermind brainstorm together. So like I might have like, uh, you know, something that came up in the class I was teaching, like, yeah, I was trying to teach this thing and you know, some of my students weren't getting it and I was running into this issue. And then Andy will chime in and be like, Oh, well, did you follow this? Like, you know, this like teaching principle and did you, did you, you know, show it this way or something, you know? And, uh, same thing with, uh, you know, like sales calls, like, yeah, this guy came in, but man, I couldn't, I couldn't show him how awesome it was, you know, and we'll like spitball. And, uh, so it's great. So we're, we're far enough away that we aren't like stealing from each other or hurting each yeah, other, but we're close yeah. enough that we can come together and help each other. Right. And grow. You know, and then it. we, and then we can pool our resources, you know, like, uh, we'll order all our geese, you know, like the HQ will order all the geese, right? But uh, we're able to order a larger quantity, which gets us a better deal since, like, all of us are going to be using them. And, right, right. You know, so it's it's a – I really like the setup. I get to – I really love my life. I'll just I'll just throw that out yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. You know, like, I, I love what I do. I love running a martial arts school. I love hanging out and teaching jiu-jitsu. But even the business side, like, I love the people that I hang out with. You know, like, I'd, there's nothing I'd rather do than, like, roll and then talk shop with like Andy and Brandon and Greg and, and Ishmael as well. So like Ishmael and I, after rolling a lot, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk shop like, Hey, what's, you know, how are the Facebook ads going? Like how are, you know, how are, how are things going? And you know, like what, what key manufacturer are you using? You know, <laughs> like things like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. All those and details. I, yeah. Like I really enjoy, I've met a lot of people that have, uh, that uh, have either worked for Greg uh, and like I've worked with them or trained them in or people who who work for me directly who love martial arts, but, uh, but, but they don't want to be involved in the, in the business side, which is fine. Like when they, when they do work for the business side, like then they don't enjoy the martial arts as much, you know, it's like, it was like their escape for me. It's like, I, 
I can't, I don't separate like work and fun very well. Like it's all like the same for me. Like I, I really enjoy the business side, the shop side, but I also really enjoy just training hard and competing. And well, it sounds like you can compartmentalize it moment to moment better than a lot of people would. Like you said, here I'm rolling, but I'm teaching Yeah. and here I'm rolling because I'm rolling, Yeah. you know, and (laughs) if somebody's thinking I've always got to be teaching, always got to be managing the budget, but also I want to get better and it's this big Mm -hmm. blob of thought that would get old real quick. Yeah. So it's interesting because it's like I compartmentalize it, but also keep it all together at the same time. Yeah, you're, so doing, like you're could, doing it all, but in, in one given moment, you've got the right hat on for that moment, it right. sounds like. And I could literally, I could be in the middle of like, I, there's times I've been like rolling at 11 a.m. And uh, and then like my, my phone went off, you know, and I, so I'm in the middle of just focusing on this arm bar and I'll get off the mat and, uh, you know, my accountant is like, hey, this issue, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he'll be like, okay, well, let's do this and that. And I'll be thinking, you know, business hat. And then I'll just go right back to rolling, you know, not, but I, and I understand not everybody can do that. For yeah. Some people they're like, you know, jujitsu is my escape from work and I don't right. want to think about work like at the same place that I do that. And, but for me, it's all, you know, I can compartmentalize, I guess, instantly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. My, you, you my can greatest manage skill. Them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I think that is a big deal. Like that's the reason why there are people who don't want to get involved in the business side of things they like doing. Cause sure it becomes bloody and messy probably sure you ever have a job not in martial arts i've had i've had a couple they were all very short stints um <laughs> well so my first job out of high school actually was uh worked at a hot spring resort in alaska so i did that for okay that <laughs> <laughs> right right when i graduated right after ishmael gave me my blue belt um this and this is so. This is before North Carolina. So this is before I moved to the U of M, and then before North oh, Carolina. Okay. So this is right yeah. when I graduated high school. I got my blue belt from Ishmael, and then a week later I flew to Alaska and had this job at a hot spring resort where you lived on the resort, and you know got paid like nine bucks an hour. But then it, you know they would feed you and you know yeah. get free free living. Right. You know. What, super what, cool where experience. where did that come from? Is it what? Sheena Hot Springs, which is uh, fifty miles away from Fairbanks? But I, but I mean, how did you? Like, I know, right? <laughs> so, my best friend growing up, from when I was four to still to this day, um, his parents, right when he graduated high school, which was a year before me, he like skipped a grade and like first grade, he was like smart at the time, at the time, for his age or whatever. But uh, so he graduated a year before me, and then when he graduated, his parents moved from Minnesota to Alaska. Ah, yeah. Um, and his stepdad worked at this, uh, hot spring resort in like the greenhouse department. So, and that was the hookup. That that, was, yeah, that was, that yeah. was the hookup there. Um, but it's, it was kind of funny. Like, uh, his parents wanted him to like move up to Alaska with him, you know, with them, but he didn't want to, cause he had like a girlfriend in Minnesota and his best friend, me was in Minnesota so he's like, no, mom, like I'm staying here. In fact, Hayden's parents said I can stay at his house, you know, blah, blah, blah. So then his mom, I'm totally aware. She just like used me. I love her though. She was like, <laughs> she called, she called me and was like, Hey, like we can get you and Forrest this awesome job at this hot spring resort and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Like that sounds super fun. I'll, let's do that. And I'm like, Forrest, we're going to work at a hot spring. And he Forrest's like, no. She's just trying to get you to move there. So then I'll want to move up there yeah. too. 
you know? And I'm like, she's like, he's like, don't do it. He's, she's just using you to, I was like, well, that might be true, but I'm still going to go. Like, yeah, you don't, so it then, might be the break you're looking yeah. for. You don't know. Yeah. So then he lived in, uh, he lived at my parents' house for that summer. So you, tra- you traded parents. We traded places. Yeah. We traded parents. And like, I lived at the hot spring resort, but on the weekends I would, I would, I would stay with them at their house right, and right. use his car, which <laughs> had moved up there without him. That was another way they were like, well, if you don't come right. up here, you won't have a car. And, uh, the best part is uh, he basically stayed in Minnesota for this high school girlfriend, and then she dumped him like two months in. And, yeah, you know, that was, was predictable. Yeah, I was kind of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way those go. But uh, even when I was – that's probably my longest stint since my blue belt uh, without rolling super regularly because I was, I was living at a resort, so there's no one to roll with. So there was one jiu-jitsu school in Fairbanks, but I had to work Monday through Friday. So there was like a late Friday night class and a Saturday morning class – Ishmael found the school for me. I was like, Ish, I'm going to Alaska. What should I do? He's like, I'll look into it. This is, and he like found this one obscure like MMA school that had a brown belt running it. And you know, he's like, he's like, you're going to train there. So on Friday, I would borrow my friend's car from his parents and, uh, and train there Friday night and then Saturday morning. And then, uh, then I work at the resort Monday through Friday. This is the bluest collar black belt story I've heard yet, man. Like <laughs> mopeds and buddies' cars. And, I mean, just just doing what you need you to do. You gotta find man. a way to train, you know. Yeah, apparently. You Jesus. gotta find. Yeah, and even you know when I was going to when I was going to college, I was only going because my parents, you know, and culture, you know, social obligation said I had to go to college. Yeah, you that's know? what you do, right? That's yeah. what you do. You know, in retrospect, I would never have gone to to college because that just got in the way of my right. my, my training, and I built up student debt. Yeah, man. That uh, you didn't finish a degree. I did not finish a degree. Oh, fuck so that shit anyway. Yeah, right. So yeah. when I was in North Carolina, I kept, I kept I went to I University of North Carolina Greensboro full time the first semester there. Second semester, the Mativis talked me into only taking like two classes, just enough to, so my parents would be like, yeah, I'm still going to school. Yeah. But they're like, you should just focus on running the school. And they're like, if you want to like run a school one day, like you're going to learn that from us, not from, not from school, you know? And I was like, yeah, you're probably, probably right. And then when I moved back to the Twin Cities, you know, I registered for classes at the U of M again. So I did one more semester at the U of M full time while working at the academy but uh, after one semester of that, you know, my I, my grades were just terrible, right? Because I was trying to do too much. I yeah. I fought that semester, so I had an M- so I was training for a fight, and I had an MMA fight. Did I think I won? Yeah, I won that one. <laughs> uh, Ishmael cornered me in that fight too. Nice. Uh, so I had an MMA fight, you know, and I'm like working for Greg Nelson at his school. You know, and I have, you know, full-time school and these obligations. I, I finally had a car that semester. Right. So I was able to, but it was just too much, right? So I got terrible grades. And it's just, it just like it's your passion yeah. at the time it's anyway. Like, it's like, why am I spending, why would I spend money on, if you're not going to get, you know, in retrospect, as I've matured, I'm like, if you're not going to get all A's, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't pay to go to college. Yeah. You're spending money to be there. Right. It should be like your number one focus and you should be getting A's. Otherwise, like, yeah. why are you spending that money? You should at least be attempting to get A's, you know? And, and, yeah. The passion should be sparking you to move. Exactly. And clearly it exactly. wasn't. So. so my, my mom, I, so I was just doing it to keep my parents happy and my grandma, of course. And so my mom kind of left, she's like, she's like, maybe you should just 
take a break next semester and focus on on uh you know your work at the the academy and you know so she gave me that inch and what is it give an inch take a yeah, mile man. or whatever you ran with it and huh? uh so i was like okay i'll take a break i'm still on that break <laughs> yeah um and now i own a school yeah you're and a business so owner. Um, do, do you uh, do you operate out of a gym like are you a yes. gym within a gym is it a gym? Pro, well, pro so fitness i'd say we share the space okay because uh, I, I didn't know anything the actual about like square footage that uh is 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 uh almost equal um so yeah uh pro fitness uh shout out to pro fitness uh kurt hartman yeah owns and runs a pro fitness along uh uh and other awesome trainer there is uh, amy irvine um so they do like kettlebell stuff and uh, personal training so they do kettlebell classes and like fitness kickboxing classes and a lot of personal training, really good on the movement stuff. Kurt's, he's, Kurt's he's a, a jiu-jitsu guy too, right? Yeah, Kurt's a jiu-jitsu black belt. Black belt. For, under, who, who's uh, he under? So he got his black belt from Pedro Sauer as well. Oh, okay. But he's uh, so he's under Greg Nelson. But sure. Pedro came out for a seminar and then promoted Kurt. And I think at the same, I think that's also when Kelly Johnson got his black belt. It's like sure. Kelly and Kurt, um, and Adam Ahern, the Elk River black. I think yeah. they all got their black belts at the same time. That's cool. Um, yeah, I've been I've I've had a connection like fa- on Facebook level with Kurt for a long time just because I have a fitness background and kettlebells and grip strength and whatever other stuff, but I don't I don't like know him, so I, I had no yeah. idea what kind of setup you guys had over there. He's a super super good trainer. He has saved me from. I'm convinced that he has saved me from knee surgeries. You know, like I've torn my meniscus a couple times, and the first time like my leg locked up and like. I had to like shake it out to like unlock it, you know, which Greg Nelson gave me that trick. I was like, I can't train I can, my legs. He's like, I'll just shake it. And I shook it, unlocked, and then I could train. What? And, uh, <laughs> Cause you know, it's like the flap, like is what makes it so it yeah. gets stuck, you yeah. know, so you shake it out. But then it yeah, can, then it, it's literally like blowing out the Nintendo cartridge. All right, it'll work now, you know, like, what in the heck? You know, so I got an MRI of that. You know, it's you know, halfway through Potter Bomb's episode, he's like, "Why would you get an MRI? It's like they're just gonna tell you that it's messed up, which you already know." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I got an MRI, and and you know, and then they're also like Potter Bomb said, they're like, "Yeah, you need a surgery." No. And I was like, "Do I?" And they're like, "Yes, you do." And I was like, "Uh," and like I scheduled the surgery, right? But then I was doing more reading, and you know, the the outcomes on people who get meniscus surgeries versus people who 10 years later just did physical therapy it's the same like the outcome on average for most people and which one has more risk right, right exactly right now, like well if know. i don't need to be cut open so yeah. i talked to kurt and was like hey like my you know my knee hurts and like you know i have to like shake it out sometimes and it'll get really swollen you know what are you know he was like well if you do these exercises it'll strengthen you know the hamstring more and put more take pressure off your meniscus and he gave me a bunch of exercises to do and i did them every day religiously and uh the pain went away and, and then, i never i don't think i missed one full day of like like i missed some training sessions but i think i still rolled every day even when like my wow. leg was like locked out i just like you know i knew i was going to get submitted and would just like work bottom game and like work my guard with one leg and my arms you know yeah sure and uh shake it out when you never never got the surgery my leg feels great and uh i actually got another mri of the leg (laughs) when uh, i partially tore my lcl rolling with uh ryan uh what do you call him randy dorkson randy dorkson randy dorkson why is everybody's injury story involve randy dorkson dude he's just uh he has that effect man 
I shouldn't say things like that. I, no, I, I really enjoy rolling with Ryan, and it just it I just happen to be rolling with him when it yes, happens. Yes, yeah, yeah. But uh, welcome to it. Yeah, well, <laughs> these things just happen. You yeah. know, these things happen. Yeah. You know, um, you know, there's there's some risks that go with uh, training jujitsu every day multiple times a day yeah. it takes a wear and tear on the body it's not as risky as driving on the interstate but it's, it's not as risky as driving on the know? the interstate but uh when they took an mri again it was like how's my meniscus look they're like oh like it's like wear and tear but you know looks yeah. i'm like you wouldn't say it needs surgery and they're like no i was like oh interesting <laughs> you know and the doc's like it was at tria both times so it's like years later and the doctor's like why i was like oh yeah like uh i was here before and Doc said I needed surgery. And this was a different doctor, which is interesting. This is uh, maybe just conspiracy in my head. Do it. But the first doctor that looked at it, the surgeon that looked at it and was like, you need surgery. He was like a much younger guy. The doc that looked at my my knee when I tore my LCL was like, yeah, you know, you could do the surgery, but it'll probably heal on its own. And, and then he looked at my meniscus. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't say you need surgery. He was older, yeah. you know, and he, he, he seemed his... less cut happy, you know. Yeah, yeah. So he's I'm also like, had his like, knees scanned before. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he's like, he, yeah, you know, maybe he's, he's been around. He's a little more successful and wealthier at this point, so he doesn't need to, you yeah. know, just cut everybody sure. open. Sure, I don't know. Yeah. Who but, knows? Uh, so I think some doctors are cut happy. You know, like you shouldn't just assume because one person says you need the surgery. Like you should look yeah. into get other opinions. Yep. That's my advice sure. to those of you if you're injured. Get other opinions. You look and, at the physical therapy options. Yeah, you and Kurt are about to get flooded with what are these magical exercise messages <laughs> after after this goes up <laughs> they're gonna be like oh man i don't want to have surgery i what don't want to have exercises? surgery yeah <laughs> you know you should like you should probably get the surgery if you know after you know some time off and trying to do exercises you know if it's like getting in the way of your daily life or your ability to roll you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. you shouldn't just because you get an MRI and it says, "Hey, it's torn." It's like, okay, but how? It, like, is it affecting your ability to roll? And like, can you not work around it? Because unless it's like affecting your ability to, there's lots of people that have like torn ACLs. They don't even know it. You know? Yeah. And, just because the MRI says stuff, it's torn yeah. doesn't mean that you need to get. It's like, do you have? If you have symptoms though that are affecting you daily, it's like, okay, well maybe then you should you should look at the surgery option. Right. Yeah. You know. It, it shouldn't it the stuff like that probably shouldn't be anybody's first like i tore a peck like the tendon came off of the humerus oh wow first choice yeah. surgery to repair it go like yeah. it's a clear cut yeah answer. yeah yeah it's you like, know but some you of these some of these arm yeah, properly. Right. Yeah. yeah some of these gray area stuff i'm a total snob dude i like the nicer things for sure give me an example uh i i care a lot about how my gi fits like a nice key, what a nice it, cut, a nice fit, you know, with cool stitching, you know. What What do you recommend? I really like grips right now. I really Grip, like their grips? cut. Yeah, grips, grip skis. I like their cut. Um, yeah, I like the – and it's different for everybody because everybody's body type is slightly different. So, like, what right. might be a good cut for you won't be a good cut for True. me or, you know. But there's um, a quality gi, though. Yeah, grips is a quality gi. Obviously – Every, you know, showy rolls overhyped, but they are quality gi. It's a dumb name too. <laughs> you don't like the name? It's just come on. The only gi I've bought so far is from Weedify. Yeah, I care. I'm, that was I'm, a, that was a nice gi. I wear that and gi that's still. cool. Like yeah. I'm down for a nice Fuji, gi. Fuji makes nice gis. I but I mostly um, just I'm more down for this is a thing I need to buy, right? 
So hopefully it's nice, but also it may as well contribute to something bigger. Sure. Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit what brand it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's there's a that tap cancer out. That organization mm-hmm. is doing more and more tournaments and they've got gear and stuff. So I'm going to buy a gi from them. Mm-hmm. But like the idea of like, I'm going to buy gis, eh, I don't want to buy gis at all. Right. So it might as well be to a good cause when I right, do, right. you know. I probably have, I have like 10 gis hanging in my laundry room right now. I have one um, gi that's a legacy gi is what I call it. Yeah. It was given to me by Dave Scora. Nice. And I think it was given to him by Lucas Mene. Mene, Lucas, Lucas mm, Mene, purple belt Lucas, we'll say. Oh, yeah, uh, purple belt Lucas. And I, I think he got that it from somebody too. That resonates more with me, anyways. Yeah, right. I'm like, oh, I know exactly yeah, what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> uh, I think it was. I'm like the fourth person to have this gi, and it was literally like, big dude gi. Big dude lost some weight and handed it to another big dude. You know, so it'll probably stop with me. <laughs> but, but that's cool too. I, I'm you're down like with that. Weight, well, so. it, 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 it just a different frame. Yeah, you yeah. know. But and also I'm not gonna not be fat. I'm just tired of giving a shit. So. You're not fat though. You're like built. It's a little bit of both. Let's you're like, like I'm super jealous of you. I've always dreamed of being huge. Yeah, that's why you. That's muscularly. why you did karate. That's why I did karate. I yeah. wanted to be, be a big. Bad I wanted dude. to be like the strongest dude in the world. That's what I wanted to be when I was a little kid. But you're supposed to lift weights for that. Yeah, but no. But I want to be like the strongest fighter. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. But but no. But that it's like I was like, oh man, if I just do martial arts all the time i'll get like super strong and eventually i'll get big i don't know why i thought that would make me big eventually because you were 12 years old I was 12, we're all done i was like five and six oh and yeah, yeah sure watched a lot of like dragon ball and dragon ball z when i was a kid it's like oh you just train martial arts all the time and then eventually you get so strong you can lift people up 10 times your size and you can like blast lasers out of your hands I'm still working on getting to that level <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wonder how many stripes you'll Tell need until you get to you that know. point yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a speaking of Dave Scora, he messaged me and there's a congregation of larger gentlemen happening at your gym on Tuesdays. Well, it's turned into that because Dave yeah. started coming. He started yeah. inviting larger gentlemen. Well, I, well, to be fair, the reason he started coming, I think, is because I do I do have a couple much larger gentlemen that train with me that are students of mine. Yeah, and he met them once. Um, well, they came out the M, the during, big dude. During some speakeasy roles that went down yeah. some other undisclosed time. No, they twenty eighteen. That never course. happened. That didn't happen. Nope. Um and uh and yeah, I think he liked rolling with them. So so he yeah, he messaged me like a few weeks ago and he's like, Is it okay if I come roll with your guys on, on Tuesday? I was like, Of course it's okay. We're, yeah, what yeah, that's we're, what we're here for. That's what we're, all, we're doing. You know, yeah. We're in the we're all in the Pedro Sauer Association yeah. M Theory team. You know, and like, it's just jujitsu anyway. Just yeah. whatever. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, of course. It's so like I've, kn- I've known Dave forever, so I, I yeah. thought it was weird that he even thought he had to ask me. But <laughs> yeah, he does have some formal elements. But is, you know, anyway, it's, it's anyway respectful. It's a cool, but, yeah, uh, it's a cool idea though. Like, there's that that that's the same thing. Uh, Caitlin's doing at Striking mm-hmm. Institute. She's got that group every Saturday after Isha's MMA class. In, it's you know. Mm-hmm. Six. What's the weight? Weight. I don't even know the weight. But they're all over two hundred pounds. Everybody there's six feet two and yeah, a bunch two, of over two hundred. People you know. to train with other big people. Yeah, which is great that's what you them. need, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of what he's trying yeah. to look, looking for all the time. By the way, every time he sees a big body walk into M, <laughs> so I bet he wants to like, roll yeah. with you all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to roll with big good people. That's different. You're big and good, right? No. When? That's what I'm saying. What? Give me just. 
Give me a second, you know. Just, Give uh, me a couple years here. Yeah, Jeez, uh, all this pressure. It's an ever like changing, yeah. fluid situation, right? <laughs> You're getting better every day, right? Every class. Yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, yeah. But you got that. You got a big old white belt over there too. He's like yes. six foot eight. That's like so a real my, big. My dude. biggest student is Graham. Graham. Um, he's also my accountant. Uh, shout out to if uh, if you guys have a business and have accounting needs, uh, you should hit up Graham. Super yeah. awesome guy. Super awesome accountant. Actually, uh, might legitimately keep that in mind. Yeah, um, and he's cool, right? He does jujitsu, so you should always you should always support jujitsu people and their business ventures just because they're jujitsu people before you support a competitor of of a person that does jujitsu. That's mine. Is that the bumper sticker version? Bumper I don't think it's going to fit. Yeah. I gotta come up with a better sound yeah. for that. But, <laughs> but the point is, well, jujitsu people yeah. should support other jujitsu people's endeavors. Yeah, there you go. Right. We're we're all we're all in this community together, right? So, um, but yeah, he's awesome. Um, he's been at my school almost two years, I think. It's hard to it's hard to measure time because of, you know this last pandemic year. Dude. Yeah, when when uh, when the shutdown you know, happen like I was here or I was doing this or, you know, like 50 years from now. So that's kind of cool. We can, we can ride if nothing else. We can, we have this cool story, even if it, if it sucked for a few years because of it for us. It's an inflection point for sure. An inflection point. I like that. Um, But yeah, Graham's like six, five. I don't know. He's really tall. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, there's a point at which you can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell. You know, I'm just like that is a is a large man so how tall Gentle are you giant super how, how tall are you well my license is five ten, but Kay. that's not true it's closer to five nine yeah so yeah. you hayden the five nine you're about 175 pounds mm-hmm. with my uh, gi on yeah, okay <laughs> it, how how is that end of that contrast like you rolling mm-hmm. with a dude built like that i mean it maybe, maybe not him specifically sure. right greg swalge and i we're talking about it recently. We talk about it a lot, actually, because he usually comes in on uh, my Tuesday or Thursday classes. He, yeah, he's he's a, a smaller frame guy, too. Yeah. Greg and I are of similar frame. He's a little shorter than me. He's a little more muscular than me, though. You know? So we're, like, in the same <laughs> category-ish. Sure, um, sure. But uh, so he and I both roll with uh, with Graham. And obviously, we know way more than him. So we'll, like, yeah. be moving around him, right? But it completely changes the moves when they're that much bigger than you. Like his leg (laughs) feels like the size of like a normal person I would roll with, you know, like his leg is like one leg is like me. Right. Right. So I can't just like enter the, the stack pass position. I have to like, I have to like be ready to move around it because if his leg moves, I won't be able to like frame against that, that weight and force. And in, he's not, he's not going rough or like, moving fast or hard you know it's just like it's just physics right so one of one of my one of my favorite uh memories or you know uh images in my mind that you know describes rolling trying to roll with graham perfectly is uh is uh i look over and greg greg swalgy is rolling with uh with graham and greg really likes the the stack pass he's really good at entering like the you know like kind of over one leg but you know, on, so it's like a half, it's not a double stack. It's like a half stack and he'll go, he'll stack you or he'll like knee cut the other way. He's really good at it. Um, 
and uh you know graham puts his you know lifts his leg up to like avoid like uh toriando you know she puts his leg higher up and that's when you go into the stack so like you know greg instinctively boom enters it you know puts his shoulder underneath graham's leg and so he comes in to put his shoulder underneath graham's leg and graham just lowers his leg you know so imagine his butt's <laughs> on the ground he's got his leg up and then he just lowers his heel toward the mat but you know greg swalgy's in the middle so greg just goes flying backwards <laughs> you know there's like so he like boom he enters the stack and at the same time graham just puts his leg down and so greg just goes fa- flying backwards you know like out of his guard you know like not he didn't like fall over and get swept he yeah, like yeah. you know fell backwards you know yeah. stumbling you know and like i don't think he <laughs> fell over but he you know it's like he would have gone out of the the ring if they were having right, right, a match you know right, right. and he like you know i i burst out laughing he looks over he's like oh you saw that you know yeah, <laughs> like and yeah. he bursts out laughing and it's just like because we both get it like i mean like what do you do with that you have right. you know you have to like move around you can't do like your normal technical move that should work like when it's just that 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 uh intense moment where you realize there's a certain truth at play here right now and that's going to redefine what the rest of this interaction <laughs> is going to be like and I, i've had a bunch of moments like that with uh with uh, graham myself so because of seeing things like that and having experienced it like i don't usually try to like enter the stack on him sometimes i do just to be stubborn like maybe i can make it work if i if i do this you know but uh if i really want to pass his guard i'll usually i'll do more like outside like toriando x pass like knee cuts but like uh, fast knee cuts like not like pressuring onto him you know like try to like step over his legs and around his legs instead of like stacking or like trying to move his leg or control his leg with my body and i'm you know the last i think the last time i rolled with him i tried to like i went to like x pass and you know i just misgaged how much longer his leg was than mine you know like on anyone else would have been like bam x pass you know because i roll with people much bigger than me all the time but like his leg is just so much longer that you know in my subconscious like oh my my foot only needs to go up this high and then i'm over but it's not the case so i i just like tripped which has never happened. Like I just like going for the X pass. I tripped over like the end of his ankle and just like toppled over. And I was just like, what the, you know, like I was totally caught off guard and I was like, I was upset for a minute, you know, but it was completely on me. You know, he didn't even do anything. He was just like, you know, he was just like sitting there There, and I just, (laughs) I just like toppled over, you know, you feel like a noob again for a second. And I'm like trying to, yeah. That's good. So I have to get back up, but it's like <laughs> since he didn't sweep me, he like you fall over away from them, so you have to get back up and like go back to the the match. Yeah. <laughs> Versus yeah. if he'd like swept me, and that now I'm playing guard, you right, know. Yeah. So it's like you whoops, just swap. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> Man, the I I bump into the same thing with with uh, not exactly the same thing, obviously, but a little bit of the same thing with like real small fast guys, where it's just like this is so far from the dimensions that feel familiar and make sense. You know, like there's not enough arm for me to grab and work with. Why are you so small? You know? (laughs) Well, yeah, some people who are smaller, um, they can like, they can fit into, into places easier, right? Like they can fit underneath your legs into X guard easier, you know, or like other people you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, like you, you throw their legs by and you're like, all right, I'm past. But then, they like fit their leg in, you know, some, some little, some little like space before right. you solidify. And you're like, what? I thought I was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I've, I've noticed that I, I'm better 
mounted on a big dude than I am a small dude. The small dude will find the little space. If they're, if they're good, they're like Professor Sauerkraut. He's like, you know, the little guy rolls with the big guy a lot. Eventually, they be, they learn how to become a little slippery. Yeah. And, they, you know, it gets hard to, hard to hold the little guy down. They they become more slippery, and you know. That's right. Well, like, but, and honestly, like, a big dude's just going to fill fill that space. A small dude doesn't fill a space. And yeah, <laughs> you're slippery. It's frustrating. Like, I'm heavy, but but you're still, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I noticed that uh, just the last two Saturdays rolling, I, when I finally fucking got to mount where I need to be to feel like I can know any kind of jujitsu mm-hmm. and he was just sliding right out like what in the fuck <laughs> he was one of them a while back too Paulie was you know slippery little fuck <laughs> but yeah and then a big dude it's like I, I can feel where they are I can right, f- feel right. they're, they're, they're almost doing me the favor of filling that space <laughs> with the size because otherwise I have to close mm-hmm. the space you know and I'm not good yet uh, well that's what's you know this is one of the things I love about jujitsu and martial arts in general um is there's always like an angle there's always like a way to use like what you have you know your god-given body or whatever um your attributes you know how you game plan it you know to your advantage against others right so the bigger dude is harder to hold and mount because they're so much bigger like it's easier for them to just they just like roll and and you you're over right but then at the same time, the smaller dude can be harder to hold them out because they find that little bit of space and they're in, you know? So if you're bigger, you make it easy. Like you get good at like reversing people and like tipping them over. They don't have to deal with that usually with people their size. And then if you're smaller, you know, it's easier for you to like find little ways to like get in. So like complete opposite, but you find a way to make it work to your advantage. You watch TV? I do watch some TV. What do you like? I like trash television. That's what I watch with my, that's what I watch with my my wife. Uh, with our, that's our like, quality decompress time. Sounds right. She, what, so what's trash television? Like The Bachelor. Oh yeah, that's yeah, definitely it's trash, trash. Trash television. I've never seen it. But it's great. I didn't get into it until until she and I started dating again, um, a little over two years ago. She was like, "Yeah, it's my favorite show. Like, you should watch it with me." And I was like, "Okay, I'll watch it with you." And that scored me a bunch of points early on. Yeah, she was like, that's, "You that's will." You said it. Yeah. She was like, "I was like, yeah, why not?" She's like, "Other guys are dated there. They just like they they say they won't watch them. Like, I'll 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 sit there with you, watch it." <laughs> but uh, then I got into it, right? So mm-hmm. even when we were doing uh, a little like longer distance, she was working in Mankato for a while as a professor uh, at MSU, um, and she trained at Kato Jiu Jitsu. Cool. Yeah. Does she do Jiu Jitsu now? No. No. She just started jujitsu when we first started dating to like the same way I started watching The Bachelor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She She, started doing jujitsu. She won the battle though because you're still watching. Yeah, I'm still watching The Bachelor and she doesn't do (laughs) jujitsu anymore. (laughs) You know, so so yeah, I I would watch it with her. But then I, you know, I was like, yeah, this is such trash. But then you get into it and you're like, I mean, it's kind of entertaining. And then you're like sitting by yourself and like we were you know we were doing long distance at the time it's like oh man i wonder what happens next then i watch an episode without her it's like oh i guess i, I, guess I kind of like this trash it's kind of yeah. fun because it's just you know what, it's what's, just what's the bachelor just, what are they what is the show give me like the elevator version <laughs> the elevator version of the back well so it's one dude on his journey to find love right so <laughs> 
So we all go, we all date on like Tinder and stuff and you go on multiple dates, you know, to find somebody that you like, right? Well, in The Bachelor, it's like, okay, we're just going to bring like 30 attractive women that you would have swiped right on, on Tinder, you know, and had like an okay first date. We're going to bring them all to one. Tell me what swipe right means. You know what Tinder is. Oh, for the fans. Swipe swipe right? What does that mean? Uh, So Tinder is this app. Okay. Uh, There's other people that want to date on the app. And uh, people within a five mile radius or whatever you set within your age range and what, you know, you're interested in men or women or whatever, you know, that are also interested in looking, they pop up on your, on your phone and you can see their profile and go through a few photos. But if you would be interested in talking to them and getting to know more, you swipe right. If you're like, nah, I wouldn't even be interested in meeting this person. You swipe left. And if you both swipe right, you match and then you're able to message with each other. What the fuck? Okay. You've you've been on Tinder, right? No. No? Never? No. Not back when you were you were single or whatever? Uh-uh. No. You've heard it, of Tinder though. I mean, I I didn't realize that it was that had that element you of didn't know like how, striking that that's people how it out. I'm like, oh, don't like the looks of that. Yep, not like interested, not inter- interested, interested. And then once in a while it's like, Oh, they were interested too. And it's a match. Oh, that's interesting. So what's nice what you know, I I I dated on Tinder for a little while back in the day. And what was cool about it, the pro, I felt like, is when you, if you finally meet in person, you go on that first date, you both know that you find each other attractive because you both swiped right. So, like, that's out of the way, right? So, now let's talk and get to know each other and see if, like, you know, we vibe, you know, personality-wise conversation. Where I feel like when I would, you know, meet girls at, at a party or in a social setting or, or a bar or whatever, it's like, you know, maybe I'm interested in you and I strike up a conversation, but I don't even know if you also find me attractive. So I'm like, I have to like kind of figure that out at the same time. Whereas you go on a date on Tinder, like that's out of the way. You know, that's my pitch for, for Tinder. I should, that's definitely a pitch get for paid Tinder. Some yeah. Advertising dollars for that or something. <laughs> Sponsorship. Money. My women have come to me. So nice. That's the way to do it. Just. Well, that's Bumble. So they have an app for that, too. That's what? That's Bumble, dude. What's Bumble? So Bumble is the same thing as Twitter, except so you both have to have swiped on each other, but then you can't message with each other unless the the woman messages you. The woman has to message first. That's better than the other one. So it's the same. They copied Tinder, but then they added that dynamic that the woman has to send the first message, and then you guys can message back and forth. Just so I don't sound on like the only Bumble. uninformed goofball here, uh, Most that dude over there this. has been married like almost as long as you've been alive, and he and he's not even an old dude, right? So like we're both like, wow, apps for dating, huh? That's interesting. I should I should say yeah. my my <laughs> wife would be, you know, would want me to to put it out there that we did not meet oh, okay. on Tinder or Bumble or a dating yeah. app. We met the the good old fashioned sure. way, you know. Tom so. Hanks and Meg Ryan, whatever. Some yeah. kind of romantic yeah. tale. Yeah. <laughs> F-O-X. F-O-X. He got it. All right. Nah, I just but So the, ba- yeah, yeah, the, ba- <laughs> the Bachelor, <laughs> they line up a bunch of these women. Oh, yeah. So they line Everyone up. On they do the Bachelorette, too. So it, then, it's, okay. then it's the opposite. It's a okay. woman and 30 guys. I think I was you know? familiar with that. Yeah. yeah. They do the opposite, too. And everybody on these shows are gorgeous i bet just handsome yeah they're all really they're all way more attractive than me that's for tv is so (laughs) stupid they're all like six two at least um like muscular ripped like all the dudes right yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i asked him 
do you watch TV? And he was like, I love The Bachelor. <laughs> that's what he did. I didn't say I love The Bachelor. Okay. I, said, I said I enjoy it. Like, that's probably what I end up watching the most. What do I actually enjoy? You know, sure, yeah. What do my, you favorite, my favorite, uh, you guys were talking about sitcoms. My favorite sitcom was uh, How I Met Your Mother. Is that, that's a sitcom, right? Or is that never, a different category? I never category? watched it. You never watched it? I heard it was funny. Yeah. It's like eight seasons. I've but seen I'm, every episode. The f- I'm familiar with the premise. Episode mm-hmm. one, it's like a point of view shot of a dad talking to, two, talking kids to kids on the couch. Yeah. And then like the last episode. It's they... also him talking to his kid. And a lot of episodes in between, like they go back to well, yeah. you know him narrating. But Sure, yeah. sure. But I he's mean, always, like, he's always talking to his kids. It's not just like a clever title. It's literally this whole series is the story of how I met your mm-hmm. mother. And the actual like him meeting his mother is like him meeting their mother is very like anticlimactic and it was just like an excuse to have this show running for eight seasons. Yeah, right? but, I think I heard about that. It was yeah. just not too long ago, right? Yeah. It was like controversy. So yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Nobody's ever happy about how a no, show ends, right? No. Endings are hard. Endings got to be. No, know. they're not. No? Sopra- you, what's Sopranos the best way to do an ending? It. Sopranos nailed it. I haven't seen The Sopranos. You didn't see The Sopranos? No. I Go watch I The Sopranos. Okay, I'll watch The Sopranos. And then we'll talk about okay. it. Okay, then we'll talk about it. <laughs> there's a problem. There's probably over a hundred full series views of the sopranos in this room right now between me and Polly over there and the way they ended it is the only way you can end an epic tale yeah yeah well, i'll watch the sopranos it's, it's not a good ending list. but it's the best ending if you follow me started watching Shit's creek recently nice my Funny. lady my my mom highly recommended it to us she was it's right great yeah, it's hilarious. First night, we were like, oh, yeah, we'll watch an episode. Watch like seven episodes. Yep. It's pretty. And I like they're like, you know, 20 minute funny. Yeah. You know, it's like old school TV. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just do this. And, and uh, you know, there's like six seasons of that. So I'm like, all right, sweet. We can. Uh, so this will give us something to do for a while. You know, <laughs> we watched um, the Queen's uh, Gambit. Gambit. Really good. I thought that was super well done. We were, yeah, we were hooked. Yeah. The it's first good. Episode. Yeah. Wendy and I watched the first two just shot into it and then I go to sleep earlier than she does. That some bitch watched all the rest of them without me. <laughs> you know? Not my fault you can't sleep. <laughs> so I've I've only ever seen the first two or three episodes. Oh, you've only seen the first two or three? Yeah. Because she watched oh. all the rest of them. I'm like, well, okay. Oh. Whatever. I had to I had to ask my lady not to why? Cause like we watched the first two like together and then like the next day, you know, I got to go to training and work that night and she's like working from home on like zoom and stuff, you know? And, and, uh, she has, she has some in between downtime. I'm like, please do not watch <laughs> it. Was, she was like, Oh, like she was planning. She was like, yeah. I was going to, are, are <laughs> yeah. you sure? Like, I was like, watch something else. Like don't watch it without me, you know? Cause then when I get back, you know, I get back late at night after locking up the school, you know, like she's going to want to watch something with me i'm like and if you watch them all then you won't want to watch that right. but i want to watch that yeah, so yeah. like please do not what what's her name audrey okay it's short oh. for adriana um and i'm saying it wrong she's from ecuador so it's like the r is rolled and the d is like a th, th, th sound um so and then same with audrey it's like a-d-r-i but I, the way I say it, everybody assumes it's like A-U-D-R-E-Y. Sure, Audrey, Audrey. Cause, yeah, yeah I, I say it like Audrey, but it's like, it's like Audrey, you know, like I can't do it. Do I it, do the do full it. name, say it. Adriana. 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 You got to roll the R though, uh, which I can't do. Can you roll your R's? <laughs> I think I just did. Yeah? Adriana. <laughs> we'll edit it and make it sound like I didn't have to prompt you to say your name. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Points. 
points points no she's <laughs> awesome she's awesome you know she tried jujitsu when we first started dating mm-hmm. just because she knew how important it was in my life and to me you know so huge props for that and she's like yeah this isn't really my thing but you know she respects that it's like it's my life it's my profession my hobby my yeah. passion yeah you know it's what i do for fun and for work and she knows that like i don't really separate the two so like even when we're hanging out like out of work like we're probably going to be hanging out with my friends from jujitsu or my coworkers or right. or uh, other other school owners or managers you, you guys sync up cool travel with plans with tournaments and stuff like yes that? that's a good that's she, a good move that's an knows, easy way to do it right she knows there's this funny meme um it's like oh and she finds out that when she realizes that like all the vacations you've planned with them are only like you know scheduled around whatever tournament is going on in that area yeah, you know yeah yeah. But uh, but unlike the meme, you know, my lady is not upset about it. She's like, yeah, right, well, right. you know, like, why would you waste a trip? You know, it's a great way to do it. Yeah. yeah dual purpose. Yeah. Right? Like it costs money to travel out there. So, like, why am I going to travel out there and then do another trip traveling for vacation? Like, we'll just do the tournament. The way we do it, though, is uh, if, if we travel together and, and she wants to go on, we want to go on vacation. We'll do the tournament first. Right. So we're not thinking about, yes. I'm not thinking, I'm oh, not yeah. wasting because otherwise I'm going to be thinking about the tournament and the jujitsu stuff the whole time. Like she came out, uh, when we did the pans, um, to in Orlando. So we went out, you know, competed, watched, uh, watched my friends compete. Uh, Sebastian like won gold, super cool. Uh, Marcus did really well and, uh, and we hung out with them, you know, but then, you know, they left tournaments over and then she and I had a couple of days, you know, just to, just to do couple stuff. And I let her pick everything, you know, nothing jujitsu related. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then you think you can just like kick back and have a drink yeah. and not worry yeah. about the fact that that drink might be goofing your game for exactly, the next day. Exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. So I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. Let's talk about some competitions. Last one you did your first but not your real first as a black belt you talked about that tell me about my first but not my real first yeah <laughs> you said you don't it's not romantic i guess enough it's story, i guess right? it's my first time competing as a as a black belt but it's not my first like like as yeah as Pablo would say my first big tournament like right. the big ibjjf open or the pans or you know um what's your favorite one my favorite tournament? Yeah, or, or like well, I don't have a one favorite a match. Player, guess, well, but ever, like favorite match. Favorite match ever? Anything like that. My, my last fight to win pro match, for Tell sure. Tell me about it. Uh, it's on this giant stage in front of all my friends and family that came out. A bunch of my students. You know, so it's super cool. It's in front of, you know, like Ryan said, like people that don't do jujitsu that are your friends will like come out and like see this thing. But then, of course, you know, being a school owner, you know a lot of my students bought tickets and and came out and so it's cool to it's nerve-wracking at the same time to have to compete in front of all of your students on a big stage you know because then if you lose in front of all your students you like like yeah i'm your coach check this out this is how you get arm barred you know (laughs) but uh (laughs) or darce choke the time i lost in front of all my students i got darce choke long arm dudes you gotta watch out for them who was it uh, ben Newman, shout out to Ben Newman. Mm-hmm. He's got sick jujitsu. He darts choked me. I want to run it back. That was like three years ago. I'm sure I could beat him now, hundred percent. Is that a call out? That was a call out. All right. Ben Newman, grappling match. You and me, gi or no gi. Let's do this. No mats in a Target parking lot. Or MMA. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely grappling. But he's an <laughs> MMA fighter too. He's oh. a pretty successful MMA fighter. 
Um, but uh, at least a grappling match. Maybe maybe then we'll do an MMA match. If I lose again, yeah, then, then I'll it, then I'll then I'll up the stakes. All right, let's do it, MMA. No, it'll it'll turn into a fight. Yeah. <laughs> it'll turn yeah. into a fight. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do it in a bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> that's where that's the best best. That's where Wing Chun works the best, right? If you're fighting in a bathroom, Is that's it? what they say. They say Wing Chun is meant for like bathroom fighting because it's like in an enclosed space. Yeah. You, you can't like you can't you can't like jump circle around. And, yeah. and use your boxing footwork. You know, but uh, yeah, my my favorite experience, the <laughs> last fight to win, um, which was twenty. 19 maybe it was 2020 no it was in the summer no, summer yeah. of 2019 nothing happened in 2020 well i mean january february half sure, of march right sure. which i did not have a fight to win that so there we go yeah, right, 2019 go. i think it was july yeah july 2019 because that was the first time audrey watched me compete as well since we when we started dating again so yeah it was cool she was there my sister was there they were sitting like vip like next to the next to the um like the walkout part of the stage sure you know so that was super cool and then like uh one of my students you know like convinced a bunch of the students to get like a you know vip table with her so like i had like a big fan base on like the right side of the stage when i was like walking out you know so that's super cool and then i had you know all my teammates from m theory were were competing and and teammates from uh that do just jujitsu at uh, the academy at Greg Nelson School were competing. Brandon Bergeon, I think, what he was, yeah he was there competing as well. Um, or what? Maybe he wasn't competing in that one. No, I might get it mixed up. Ryan Potabon was competing that day. Just super. It's always fun to watch him like throw people off the stage and mm-hmm. stuff. And so it was a lot of awesome matches to watch and hanging out with all my buddies. You know, it's cool because it's like local. So like normally we travel together to like the pans or something, which is also a fun experience in a different way but this time like it comes to us and it's like a semi big deal so we all get to like hang out together backstage so like you know that helps me like stay less anxious like at a tournament i'm like you're kind of even when you're there with the group it's like this big venue it's loud and you're kind of at the end of the day once you're in the bullpen you're by yourself stuck with your thoughts and your anxiety you know and then you go out there and you're competing by yourself but but they're like you know back in the locker room and like you know i'm just shooting the shit with uh andy and nat and greg like they're just trying to like you know not get me amped like just keep me distracted but then like ish will come back and like he has the actual serious game plan you know he'll be like hey like as soon as this guy pulls you're gonna knee cut and then you'll win you know say can you say that again but make it sound more like ish (laughs) i don't man i don't have a good southern accent i do a pedro a pedro sour you know jujitsu uh brazilian accent a lot but uh I'll, I'll accept that uh, you'll accept that one. Yeah, that was good uh you know part of you know ishmael's accent i feel like it's evolved into like you know somewhat uh brazilian a little bit and minnesotan and then yeah. uh you know multi-influenced <laughs> you thing. teach how you teach moves a lot of times how they were taught to use and you accidentally teach it with the accent a yeah. little bit so yeah. i'll be like teaching the stack pass and i'll be like Okay, and then once you get here, and it'll, I, I won't even realize I'm doing. I'm like, now you're gonna take your both elbows and you're gonna control the femurs. Okay, the Brazilians <laughs> they don't good. they don't say both, they say both. You yeah, take both yeah. both elbows and control the femur. The femur. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. I suppose you hear it a lot. Right? And that's how you pass the guard. <laughs> Which is how that's spelled, and it's weird. So that's how uh, we should all. So say that's it. All, yeah, that's all there. Guard. That's all there. 
they say but yeah you know ish ish comes backstage and gets all serious you know it's like like i'm, I'm trying to do my my ishmo bentley he's like you're gonna he's gonna he's like he's gonna pull guard and you're gonna knee cut and then you're gonna win that didn't have an accent at all he's but anyways, you're gonna pull guard yeah right? see that's good right that's really good and you just knee cut pass no i'm not good at it either uh. it don't matter <laughs> Maybe it'll maybe it'll come out later, but uh, <laughs> you know. So got the game plan, and then back to like staying relaxed, shooting the shit, and then uh, I get to before my match, go out and like watch other people competing. You know, it's cool, and then they walk out with you. You know, which doesn't happen at Ivy Jeff. You're like by yourself at that point. So Ooh. like, I had Greg and Nat walk out with me. Um, was it Andy? I'm sure Andy was. No, maybe Andy was refing. So maybe I think Kelly maybe walked out too. Um, so they walk out with me and then they sit down, you know, they take my shoes. And as I'm walking out, you know, my girlfriend at the time is like, ah, you know, and my, yeah. you know, cheering me on. My sister's like, oh, and then, you know, my table of students, they're like, hey, dad, you know, so then I like point at them, you know, it's cool, <laughs> you know, and you get to pick your music, you know, so it's, it's my jam. And I, you know, I pick some jam that like I, I blast all the time while I'm rolling. So it'll get me in that, that mode. What'd you pick? Uh, I picked closer. Um, it's kind of like a, it's dubstep-ish. Um, it's like by Lamontre or something, or by uh, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Any of those I don't artists. even know. Yeah, you just listen. To I music. just know that one song. It like came across Pandora once. And I was like, I like that, so I saved it, added sure. it to like my YouTube playlist. I'm, sure, it's like my number one song when I'm rolling. Gets me in. Gets me in the mode, you know. And then, uh, and then I just uh, I was all over this dude. I did not get the submission finished. Kind of climbed up at the end. You know, it's hard to submit somebody that's just like. But uh, but I was all over him, you know, like past his guard. Um, you know, I never conceded uh, the takedown. And, you know, finally when we scrambled, I made sure I was on top. Um, and then I got to go for my favorite move, which is the Kamor trap off of when they grab your leg. So Kamor trapped him and, you know, switched from like taking his back to threatening the neck to like back to like the Kamor armbar threat. And uh, and that's like how the how the match ended. You know, and then when, you know, when it's over, you know, everyone, everyone screams, you know, get to have your hand up, you know, fix your hair with your other hand quick. So it looks good for Instagram, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just a really, a really cool feeling, you know, and, uh, and then when I walked off the stage, you know, my girlfriend, you know, ran up to the, you know, the, um, the walkout part, you know, and I, you know, I gave her a quick kiss and, you know, that yeah. made her night, you know, and right. it was super cool. And you go backstage and then from backstage, I, you know, got to continue hanging out with my buds and, you know, watch Ryan Potterbaum just thrash some, some black belt that, you know, everyone thought was going to win. But I was mm -hmm. like, no way Ryan's going to thrash this dude. And then he did. And it was awesome. <laughs> he, nobody else told him that. You're, were, you're maybe, I told him, I was like, you well, you're maybe not that far into our conversation yet. It sounds like, but he talks about it. And... No, nah, he, he talked about that. Yeah. Okay, but, yeah. but uh, <laughs> he was, he, he was right. He was totally the, the underdog is yeah. what people said, you know, right. but it's like, no way. Like Ishmael was like if you get near the edge, like just like throw him off the stage. That'll like get in his head, you know? Well, no shit. <laughs> Ryan's a scary, you know, scary Ryan, Man, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. Nasty he wants Ryan. it to be nasty Ryan, but he's, he's like clean. I, why, why would I call you nasty? Like, I'm not going to get ringworm from you or something. Like he's got, he's got scary jujitsu. Yeah. Nasty's like unsanitary, right? I think you're onto something there. Yeah. Like pink eye. Yeah. I don't, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't give people <laughs> pink eye. <laughs> I don't know why you're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be a lot of disappointed people out there if I didn't 
take a you shot. Didn't, if you didn't take a shot, yeah. that was well placed, well timed. Should we talk about Hayden Gate? Hayden Gate? Mm, Should we talk about no, Hayden no, it's okay. Uh, tell me about That's it. That's bad uh, for the community. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, you're a couple hours in at this point. Nobody's even listening. Anymore, oh, okay. So, um, the, uh, tell me about a like least favorite match, bad match, terrible match. Probably when Lesson I got Dar choked in front of everybody at the Fight to Win Pro before <laughs> that. Because <laughs> everything yeah. else I just described, it's like, yeah, everybody's there. They're there yep. for me. And then I just get submitted in front of all of them. Yeah. So know? wait, who was the who was the next year's opponent where you did what where you did better? Well, where I did better was one of Ben Newman's students. That's probably why I did better because oh, it wasn't sure. Ben Newman. It was his yeah. student. So. <laughs> yeah. It was like his student who was a brown belt. And I'm like, yep. bro, I could have beat Ben Newman. I'm not going to lose to his student. Sure. And then I, yeah. Uh-huh. Should have beat Ben Newman. He has good jujitsu. I'm just talking shit. Yeah, that's part of the fun. Yeah, driving a minivan right now. Not by choice. Why are you driving? But a minivan? now it's growing on me. You yeah, know, you, you do something for a few days, and you're like, oh, lot, you can fit a like a lot of. Ju- I can yeah. fit a lot of students in here for like road trips, to yeah. tournaments, and or stuff. just bags of geese. Yeah, stuff, bag, yeah, I can fit a lot of geese in this. In this. Uh, Why this, are you driving uh, that minivan though? What's up? Uh, the Des Moines, Iowa tournament. Tell me the story. Went down uh, with, uh, I drove one of my students down and thankfully, turned out to be thankfully, two of my other students drove down separately in a car together as well. So they wanted to get there earlier for weigh-ins. One of my students had to work later. So I was like, I'll drive, I'll drive you down. I'll like wait for you. Um, so drive down to Iowa. And that, it was that week when it was like crazy cold across mm-hmm. the Midwest yeah like so, 10 below yeah it's like negative stuff. 15 you know yeah. and uh like the whole weekend uh and like the week the week prior and so we drive all the way down to des moines in the in the cold yeah um and uh we compete and stuff and you know i spent we could drive down friday spend the night and then compete and then uh friday we didn't get out of the venue till like six thirty p.m and uh and then we wanted to celebrate because my students had done really well um, so we went to like Buffalo Wild Wings and like ate wings and burgers mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, binged. We'd been fasting <laughs> yeah. for a month or yeah. so at this yeah. point. Right. So then, then we, then we binged. So then we leave at like nine. Right. So at like 10 o'clock at night in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, like an hour into our drive back, my car just starts like, you know, making this weird noise. Check engine light starts blinking. My student who's with me is kind of a motorhead, um, and he was actually driving at that point. So I drove us down, so he was going to drive us back. And he's like, dude, we have to we have to pull over the next uh, available. So we pull up the next gas station, and we take out. We pull we pull over uh, down the um, the exit ramp. You know, So he keeps it going for like 10 more minutes, and it's like shaking and doesn't sound good. But by the time we get to the stop sign at the end of the exit ramp, the engine just shuts off. Yep. It's just totally dead. And uh, it's negative 15 outside. Yeah, man. And you're four hours away at this and point we're like, still? Yeah, so we're probably like three, three, three and a four? half hours away at this okay. point. Yeah. So it's negative 15. It's 10 p.m. We're in the middle of nowhere. You know, thankfully, we have cell service. Right. You know, yeah, that would have yeah. been really bad. Yeah. Um, so so we call uh, we call my, my students that are in the other car. And thankfully, they're behind us. Oh, okay. They Good. had like, you know, like taken a break at a gas station or something. And we're like, hey, like exit at, you know, this mile marker, you know, like we're, we're like stuck. It's not going anywhere. And uh, we can see like the gas station that we were like trying to get to, 
you know, like just across, across the road. Cause we're like at the stop sign at the end of the exit ramp, entrance exit ramp. And, uh, and then it's lights go off. Right. So it's like oh, closing for the night. Bummer. So it like, it's that it's lights go off and the, you know, the people that we like, you know, we like wave to them. They like drive the other way. It's like, Oh, that's good. So I call AAA. Thankfully I have a AAA card. Sure. Um, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, we can, you, I have like a hundred mile tow with them, you know, if something like this happens up to a hundred miles and I'm like, yeah, I need it. You know, like I live in the Twin Cities. I need to tow to the Twin Cities. They're like, yeah, no problem. You know, we can tow it to the Twin Cities after the first hundred miles. It's like $6 a mile, you know? So I'm like, uh, yeah, that's not going to work for me. That's a no from uh, me, dog. That's a no. And then, you know, while I'm on the phone with them, oh. you know, I'm thinking like a tow is going to show up, you know, soon. But, you know, then the police show up finally, like they, you know, enough people had passed us. Nobody like stopped to help, but maybe somebody called a troop or whatever. So the right. police show up. So flashing lights were like, oh, sweet. So our, our friends weren't there yet. Uh, and it was, it was getting really cold at that point. <laughs> yeah. So they Quick. let us like sit in their, in their car while we like tried to figure it out. And, uh, they're like, who are you on the phone? I'm like, oh, AAA. They're like, dude, AAA won't be here till tomorrow. You're in the middle of nowhere. I'm like. Hey, is that true? The cop says you won't be here till like tomorrow. And they're like, uh, let me look at the estimated time. They're like, yeah. So we were thinking like tomorrow, 7 a.m. <laughs> I'm like, well, we need to figure something out now. So the cops call like the local tow who was like right next door to that gas station, actually. But like he's like asleep. So they wake sure, up the sure. local tow guy, yeah. Tony. So Tony shows up. I was going to guess that was his name. Yeah. By the way. Tony's uh, towing. And then, yeah. and then act like Tony actually showed up. This uh, older gentleman. Um, so like 1030 at night at this point. And, uh, of course my, my, uh, my Jeep, uh, is like when it went, when it shut down, uh, the parking brake engaged for whatever reason. So something electrical happened too. Yeah. And we could not get it out of the parking brake. So we oh. got it in neutral cops were like, well, we'll just push it to the side and then AAA can come pick it up. But we couldn't, we couldn't move it. So we couldn't get the parking brake and like the cops, and my motorhead friend, like, you know, Googled the owner's manual, did a bunch of stuff, couldn't get it to happen. So we got to wake up Tony, and Tony doesn't, he's, <laughs> he just wants to, like, get back to bed. So he doesn't even try to, like, get the parking brake out. So he just, like, drags my Jeep onto his, uh, yeah, onto yeah. his tow truck, you know, just drags <laughs> it on. Wheels aren't moving at all. I'm like, that can't be good for it. But, uh, and he just dumps it at the, um, at the gas station we're trying to get it to. So that way, you know, be the least amount uh, for the tow. And then my friends show up. So we get in their car and we, we have to abandon my car in Iowa Yeah, and we have to go to Tony's shop, you know, at like 11 PM, you know, so I can pay him at his shop. And then, uh, and then we drive the rest of the way home. So thank you to, to my students for saving us. Who was it? Um, uh, Austin was driving Austin Jones. Thank you. Uh, and Tucker, Tucker upkeep. Both uh, medalists at the Des Moines tournament. Sweet. Austin took uh, like double gold and silver. It's awesome. Tucker took a silver and a and a bronze. That was his first time competing. Did really well. Submitted. Got some cool submissions. So really proud of my students, nice. and really thankful to my students for, for, <laughs> for stopping for snacks. For stopping so for, for snacks, and you. then uh, so I had to abandon my car in Iowa, and then the next day was like Valentine's Day, and it was still like negative fifteen out. Brutal. So. Uh, AAA like tried to get toes that would take it to Albert Lee, Minnesota. Yep. 
you know, that's, that's like the closest thing to the cities that was still within the hundred mile. And that got canceled like five times. Cause you know, they just like find a tow company and contract it out. You know, nobody wanted to tow it that far, you know, and it's cold and like, so it didn't get towed till like, like Monday night finally. And then I called the shop. It got towed to, and they're like, Oh yeah. Somebody just like dropped off a Jeep here. You know, we didn't know whose it was. I'm like, yeah, that's mine. Uh, <laughs> this is what happened you uh, think you can like fix it up and they're like yeah we won't be able to look at it till like wednesday because we got so many cars in the shop I was yeah. like, okay awesome and then wednesday they finally look at it and they're like yeah it's like really bad two valve springs broke which is like in the engine i don't know anything about cars but that's a harder thing and then like the oil filter covers like leaking bleaker you know, fluid so, was leaking yeah so yeah. that needs to be replaced and and they're like, yeah, we can fix it. You know, it'll be this much. I'm like, okay, it's like a lot, but like do it. Like, but there's a national shortage on this part and that part. So naturally. we don't know when we can do it. Yeah, naturally. I was like, cool. And they're like, but don't worry. And I don't know why she took the time to like say, it. she's like, we have loaner cars. I was like, okay, great. Like I'll take a loaner car. She's like, yeah, we have nine loaner cars. It's like, cool. She's like, they're all used right now. I was like, why don't you lead with that? Yeah, you know, yeah, like she yeah. liked the suspension. Want the so, good news know? or the bad news? She's like, good news yeah. is we have loaner cars. Yeah. Nine of them. Bad news is they're all being used. And there's you, a lot of jobs ahead of you and other people that want loaner uh, cars. Good. I was like, great. She's like, so we'll put you on a list. So for two weeks, I bummed rides with like Siobhan and shout out to Kelly and uh, Andy for giving me lots of rides and Siobhan and Joe Palenti. And <laughs> <laughs> that's the importance of community that's right why there, community yeah. is important yeah. and then uh they find the shop i finally i was like two weeks of that i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go rent a car so i go into enterprise to rent a car for like 300 bucks a week or whatever and i'm literally about to like sign the paperwork and i get a call from albert lee i was like oh this is albert lee i bet this might be my car so i answer and they're like hayden what are you up to i'm like i'm standing in enterprise i'm about to rent a car they're like oh don't do that we have a loaner car for you it's like thanks yeah. God. Yeah. Which uh they just you know, I just gotta fill up uh the gas. They won't then they don't charge me for it. So they're like, Yeah, I got a loaner car. Bad news, it's a minivan. Um I was like, I'll take anything. I don't <laughs> Yeah, care. man. Wheels so are driving wheels. this cool minivan. It's I think it's a newer one, like a twenty nineteen or something, a Chrysler and it's pretty slick. You got you like T V and the yeah, back it's got of like your headrest and all that stuff. Oh um oh, okay. I don't think I didn't check the back. Oh just, you know see what's going on back there yeah. <laughs> so I'm, dri- I'm just driving it but there is a screen on the dash there's a screen where, on the dash yeah it's distract nice. the driver that's always really good yeah it's a good standard feature yeah. these days so yeah i'm driving a white minivan around until till my uh until my jeep's finally fixed what kind of jeep is it it's a jeep cherokee 2014 really yes yeah, so it's supposed to be Come like on, good man. for that, that stuff like driving anywhere and not breaking down apparently not apparently not Kelly talks a lot of crap about Jeeps now. He's like, he, he's like, you should just trade that in, get rid of it, and, you know. What does he tell you to get? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. he's just like, Shut Jeeps up, are man. bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a better option. Know, Shut right? up. Like, what? Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, – but, yeah, the ju- thanks to the jiu-jitsu community. Word, I've man. been able to stay mobile the two weeks when I was totally carless. Um, shout out. Oh, and Kurt Hartman gave me a few rides too. Shout out to Kurt. Mm-hmm. Any anybody that was headed to the practice that I was going to next, I'd just like who lives the closest to me, and then I'd bother them, be like, "Hey, you're going to practice, right?" I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so you want to like pick me up on the way, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's another reason uh, we do these recordings at Polly's house because you don't know where I live. I don't know where you live. <laughs> <laughs> so I just 
uh, uh, moved into a house in uh, Plymouth. My lady and I just got a house in Plymouth. Um, so I live like in be- like between the three gyms that I spend my life at now, right? So I'm like 15 minutes from you know the Academy HQ, 17 minutes from M Theory, and like 18 minutes from my school, right? So it's kind of in the the middle of, of all of it, but it's not close, not really close to any of them. I used to live six minutes from my school, so that was a nice setup. But then, you know, I'm driving to M Theory or Brooklyn Center every day also, so so I yeah, I like the Plymouth the Plymouth neighborhood. It's kind of live my life along one sixty nine between those three schools and fun fact. The uh the third or fir- fourth, third city in minnesota with the highest downloads of this little thing is plymouth oh really so there's, there's a, lot a bunch of m3 students or just plymouth a lot of jiu-jitsu people, people hopefully it's weird it's a, mostly minneapolis just mass attributed to minneapolis so who knows like where they're actually pinging in at i don't know but a bunch in plymouth mm-hmm. which is not where we are right now this is an undisclosed location we don't in a bunker we don't want to <laughs> Uh, you ever been injured? Oh yeah. I mean, not like the little piddly knee thing, <laughs> like real injured. No, that's or just probably, any other ones. Well, so I was about to say it's probably the worst, but that's not true. The I've never had to have a surgery, thankfully, so far. Um, so yeah, I've had knee things like that. I've partially torn an LCL and a meniscus here and there. Um, but the worst was probably uh, when I was getting ready for. My second MMA fight, I I like I torched my neck really bad in like grappling, and I think it was a combo. Like I like hit a PR on my deadlifts when I was I was like nineteen or twenty at the time, so I hit like a PR on my deadlifts, which was like three oh five, and I probably okay. did it with terrible form. Yep, do it, yep. whatever. Yeah, so form schmorm. Yeah, Just so like I, I was like I picked up this heavy weight like five times, and it was like yeah, and I'd like built up to it, you know, and then. You know, so this is, I, I think that I, you know, didn't have the best form or it was slightly off or whatever. And then I grappled Nogi hard, like not too long after that. And, uh, and after I was done grab, like I kind of got my neck torqued in a weird position. Like I was trying to escape a rear naked choke. It was actually, I was rolling with, with Greg Nelson and I did it. He was trying to rear naked choke me and I like chin dropped myself to escape. So I neck cranked myself to get out. (laughs) I got out of that choke. Right. Then he probably caught me in something else anyways. But, uh, but I escaped that choke. But, uh, after I was like, oh, my neck kind of, kind of hurts. And then, uh, and then later Mm -hmm. like teaching the kids classes, and like you know, I'm like, all right, drop in uh, ten push-ups. I drop down. We're all doing our push-ups together. And like, I can't. I'm like, my left arm like won't like do it. So like, some nerve thing like yeah. goes down yep. my arm, and like, I lost like all strength in like my left arm. I was like, oh, that's that's like not good. So I'm like, <laughs> I can't like stop teaching good. the class. So I like you know, fake it through that. I'm like doing like half push-ups on one side. Yeah. Like one, two. <laughs> Jimmy, I want to see good form. Don't look at my form, yeah. you know. Like, Pretty look at the mat. Right <laughs> look at the, don't look at me, you know. Uh, and I'm like, that. yeah, that's not good. And then, like, I roll again later that night. Probably not not smart. And, like, when I go for, like, underhooks, it, like, tingles up my fingers, you know. It's probably normal. It's yeah. Probably, yeah, I'm like, oh, no this is like. Uh, so, Shake it so out. So I lose, like, strength in, like, my <laughs> left arm, you know. And, use uh, your and right arm. Yeah, just you use know. your right arm. And I'm like, oh, man, what's, I don't, so, but I keep training, though. 
and I just like kind of grapple around it, you know? Uh, but so like a few days later, like I try to deadlift like 200 pounds, like I'll do like a light, lightweight, you know, I can't like get it to move off the ground. Like as soon as I grip the bar, it's like my nervous system's like, no, it's just like saying no to me. And I'm like, man, this isn't, this probably isn't good. But a couple months go by and, uh, like my chest muscle, like right in the middle of my left pec, like just starts to fatigue or atrophy, atrophy. So like it gets like smaller and it eventually looked like I had like just like this uh, like this hole in like the middle of my my left pec. Hmm. You know, like there's like not muscle there that should be that is that you can see on my other side. Mm-hmm. My left tricep like got a lot smaller than my right. And I was like, this isn't this isn't good. So a friend of mine, um, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember who, but somebody I was training with was like, dude, you need to go see a doctor about that. You need to get that looked at. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, like that could be really bad. Like there might be some nerve like cut off and that's why your muscle's not firing. And I was like, I mean, that would, that would kind of make sense, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's funny the things we need friends to tell yeah, us to yeah. do though. So, so I do go see like, uh, I think, I think I, I think I have like an appointment at Tria and they like, they like put in like this, they like stab this like thing and it's like this needle almost hooked up to this machine that like, it like tracks the like electricity or something in yep. your muscle. Like it can see what's firing and you know, they put it in my right pack and like, yeah, things are firing. They put it in my left pack. It's like, yeah, like not as much as firing there and probably should be, right. you know? And, uh, you know, they basically said, well, like yeah, you maybe have like a nerve that's like a little pinched or something, but they didn't really have like great advice on like what I should do for sure. They were just like, yeah, we should probably like watch that more. So I'm like, well, I should probably like do something about this. And then one of my friends claimed that he'd had something similar happen. He's like, he's like, you need to go to like a chiropractor like regularly. And, uh, so I find a chiropractor that does jujitsu at the Academy. Um, who's that? Uh, Oh boy. Now I can't Gotta shout him out, but I do have to shout him out. Yeah. Um, it's escaping me though. Right. So long. He doesn't do jujitsu anymore. Okay, that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Backland. Okay. Cool. Justin. It's Justin. Justin Backland. Sounds right to me. Yeah, Justin Backland. Um, he wanted to get his blue belt. You know, uh, I was a purple belt at the time, or about to be. And I was like teaching the foundations jujitsu classes and mm-hmm. the academy. We had uh, we have you do the like Pedro Sauer white to blue belt. Um, test of moves um so he he just he was willing to do a trade i was like hey like i need to get adjusted like every day and i know i can't afford that and he was like hey just like stop by my office at this time it's like when i'm free it's like my lunch break i'll adjust you every day um and like uh i just want like private lessons on like the white to blue curriculum i was like sweet yeah it's the way to do things right there man so he adjusted me every day and uh and it started to get better like and then he gave me exercises to do and lo and behold you know, I didn't re-injure my neck and the pressure or whatever, like came off my nerve and, uh, and then I could do push-ups again and I'm still like scared to do like a real deadlift. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure like if I had like a good coach, like, like yourself or something, maybe you do it right. And, or you, you get know. fucked up again. Or I know. get effed up again, yeah. you know, <laughs> but there were a bunch of factors, right? Like I like neck cranked myself and yeah, for sure. Know. For sure. Yes. That's him. Justin Backlund. Justin Backlund. Cool chiropractor extraordinaire Extraordinary. yeah <laughs> saved my saved my neck um literally might have saved my neck yeah yeah literally yeah you kind of need to use your arm to do jujitsu and stuff and 
that was getting harder to do. <laughs> I did my MMA fight with that. Um, it was like in the early stages, so it hadn't looked as pronounced, you know. Yikes! Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. and it, but you, I had were, like a you had some up, of the so you had some of the like symptoms. I, I think though? I fought like two weeks. I, yeah, yeah. Oh. I was still like weaker in my left arm, and but you know when you're when when the cage door locks, you know. <laughs> I don't. I don't really what feel. Are <laughs> I, I never really felt like pain in the fights like the adrenaline's going sure, sure, sure. you're just going you know yeah. like you can tell when a shot is hard but it's not it hurt for me it always hurt more in like hard sparring you know because you don't have the same level of adrenaline also like to go with like i guess to combat the feeling of that hard hit you take yeah that makes sense yeah yeah so that's my worst uh jujitsu related uh injury but Ollie, i didn't need surgery Avoided surgery, thankfully. Oh, sorry. What's that? Yeah, please. I like uh, the, I like that Knob Creek. <laughs> yeah. Do you like How I Met Your Mother? You've seen it, right? I, no, so I've only heard good things about it. Yeah. I, about it. I feel like in that genre, like Friends is like the original. I could be wrong. Ugh, that just that taints. And that that taints that it. Taints <laughs> how I, met your I think it's much me. better. Yeah. I think it's much yeah. better than friends. <laughs> but uh I have not had I have had a <laughs> my jujitsu injury. I've had like arguably three sports injuries ever. Uh-huh. Right? Like I came out of doing strongman and powerlifting stuff pretty much unscathed. Mm-hmm. You know. Arguably I could have pushed more here and there and, you know, been more beat up and also more successful, who knows? But like a week or two weeks before March 15th, the shutdown of everything in 2020, just doing a guard passing drill in essentials class at M theory separated a rib What? and not one of these like floaty ribs down here. One of these big bad boys right up near the sternum. And it, all I was doing was just, you know, like knee slice pass or something. Right. And then we just chest to chest and I just carried it, you know, as if I was, Mm-hmm. kind of slow motion rolling or whatever and it hooked on something on the gi of the guy i was drilling with who was like his first time there i think actually and i could like visually feel my the end of my rib being just separated from the cartilage and stuff and it took me an hour and a half to get out of the gym that day wow it was I, I crawled off the mats before they were lined up it was like in the last 10 seconds of class too. ribs are terrible because you can't like do anything for it right like breathe yeah you, you have to breathe. just like wait yeah, for it to hopefully it get better yeah and i literally just tried to sit and tried to move and tried to sit and tried to move for like an hour and a half and then i got i get to blame the quarantine for why I didn't go to jujitsu for X number of months, even though it would have been me being a, a puss puss about my about my rib well, injury. So the original you know, but that's the was good timing, right? Because everyone else had to take a break while you let your ribs heal, anyway. Yeah. Right? So yeah, you didn't fall behind. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, we all fell behind. Let's let's just. But we're all we, falling it, behind together. Yeah, that's so. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's the only that you know injury. But when you're like 300 pounds and you kneel back or you sit back on your heels. And nobody moves you, or not a lot of people move you, let's be real. 
and that's your game. There's not a lot of risk for injury, <laughs> you know. Not a lot of dynamic motion going on, you know. So it's it's like when you're like doing something fast on your own, you're just like drilling a guard pass. Right? And it wasn't and the other even person's that, not even resisting. It you. wasn't yeah. even fast. It was yeah. none of that. The dude had no idea what was going on. It's like on. when you accidentally trip going down the stairs. Yeah, it's just yeah. a stupid thing. You know, the and my pec tear, you know, bench pressing was kind of a weird fluky that I don't can't explain that thing mm-hmm. either. Like I don't have any cool injury stories. Yeah. Dumb. And I feel like I just wanna I just wanna put this out there since this is being being recorded, you know, like if uh you know, for the if there's anybody most people listening to this probably they do jujitsu. But if you don't do jujitsu or you aren't fully committed to like doing it for life yet, like please don't let our injury stories scare you from doing jujitsu. Like we have them, but at the end of the day, uh, if you don't do jujitsu, you're going to have just as many knee or other issues, but it'll be for different reasons for being sedentary or something, you know? Oh yeah. I would rather have my knee wrecked from doing something fun like jujitsu than from like being sedentary and becoming overweight and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. or, you know, you're going to, your, your body's going to, go somehow you know but at least if it's from doing something like jujitsu you know you're gonna probably be in fantastic shape you know or better shape than you would be at and the very least you're gonna have a cool story and for, you have a cool story yeah. yeah it's not like i like i was super sedentary for a while so then just like standing up and going down the stair i hurt my knee you know yeah, or just the it's a bitch getting old thing. like <laughs> yeah, that that's yeah. that's I, the gym yeah. that i've worked at for years and years is is a large population of older folks and it's just mm-hmm. knees and hip replacements everywhere and the majority of the time it's literally just yeah they didn't do jujitsu my dad told me never get old i should have listened you know that whole thing and it's like at least have a cool story behind it you know you're gonna wear out or you're gonna what is it wear out or rust out yeah it's gonna be a shit deal in 40 years anyway yeah my primary cool stories my primary care doctor um also does jujitsu he's a student of mine he's a blue belt um and he's also like an er doctor um, you know, but so whenever I have anything, since he's so accessible to me, I just like talk to him about it and me like, Hey, like my, you know, my, my, my knees kind of sore here and blah, blah. He's like, yeah, it's probably like, uh, it's probably like arthritis or something. I'm like, dude, I'm like 28. He's like, yeah, but you know, from doing all the jujitsu and stuff and like, it's probably more wear and tear. So you're more likely to get calcium and like arthritis. I was like, man, so like jujitsu is giving me arthritis. So like if I didn't do jujitsu, he's like, well, if you didn't do jujitsu, you'd have arthritis from not doing stuff yeah. and diabetes. he's like you're gonna get it regardless <laughs> yeah. you know i'm like yeah. oh well rather go out on my shield then and yeah, <laughs> have fun absolutely yeah and like alio gracie lived to 95 right and the story is that he was he rolled like two days before that so oh really that's i didn't how heard I that go. that's how i want to go that's a good story yeah. even if it's bullshit that's even if it's story. bullshit yeah. <laughs> what's dick's last name again katasic dick katasic you rolled with him the other night what is he 80 yeah. I won't even be alive then. <laughs> what? Why you not? You know what I'm saying? If you Just keep doing jujitsu like Dick or Alio, you'll bro, be alive. You know, genetics yeah. also, though, yeah. is the thing. Yeah, yeah. Clean Brazilian air. It's probably not that clean. So <laughs> let's be honest. I don't know. That's great. We make it to at least 100. At least 100? At least 100. Who? You. What? 21st century. How many 250-plus pounders you see walking around 100 years old? Yeah, most 250-plus founders in their old age aren't, you know, 250-plus pounds because they're muscular, you know. They're they're like Like me right now. You're yeah. muscular, dude. Dude, if I if I drop down to like I've a reasonable... 
if I roll, if I drop down to a reasonable body fat percentage, I I, I guarantee you I'd be under two hundred fifty pounds. I only rolled that's with you. That's still big, clean. Yeah, muscle. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like part, that's my dream. Yeah, part <laughs> of why I paused was like, what am I fucking saying here? That's ridiculous. You're like, if I lean down, I'll only be two hundred fifty pounds. I'm like, <laughs> if I lean down, I'll be like one sixty five. <laughs> okay. Um, that's the first time I ever rolled with you last week. Yeah, yeah. Was that just weirdly serendipitous, or or was me asking you to come on the podcast part of why you were like, well, I better roll with that guy? Oh, uh, for sure. I was like. I was like, wait, I should probably roll with this person uh, if I'm going to hang out with them. Yeah. Got to at least have rolled. Yeah, that's how you break the seal. That's how. I <laughs> yeah. Well, I only, you know, knew of you. I don't think we'd ever talked in person no, until we rolled nope. that time. Yeah, I think that was so it. So I was like, whoa, 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 like, I should probably, like, yeah. have words with this person before I meet him for a podcast. And that's kind of how I roll. I'm just like. Hey, you do a thing, I do a thing. I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. We know each Which other is cool now. Too. Come on, you know what I mean? I've listened to your podcast, and you pointed out, you're like, you know, I kind of like the idea of, you know, interviewing people that I don't know also. Just yeah. cool. So I ruined that for you, for me, I guess. But. No, I don't know you at all. <laughs> um, I'd known of you because you had started taking the photos for, for M Theory. Yeah, yeah. And Ryan talked you up a bunch. He's like, dude, I got this guy, does the photos now on our Facebook page and Instagram, and it's awesome. He's great. So that's I just knew of you, and then eventually uh, you took a few photos of me and tagged me, and then I was oh, like, yeah, "Oh yeah. man, those look great!" And, I, and then I, so I've I've communicated with you over a DM to yeah. harass you, be like, "Hey, send me those photos." Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, you do good work. You do really good work. Yeah, they're coming along. I have my, my, my staff stock your pages, the ones you manage, Pohada and uh, and uh, and the M Theory pages, of course. And I'm like, "Hey, like, you want ideas of like, you know, how like photos should like." kind of look like buy a make better it camera. look more like max <laughs> buy a better camera <laughs> yeah get a, get a better camera yeah, you know, that's but, mostly uh, the camera. you know but you get in there you get really close and it, you know where most people just take like and i always did this just like you know take a widescreen for like look we got this class you like get in there and you see the cool details and, right well and i mean you know. taking the the wide shot where like look at all these, you got 50 people men women kids you know colors and shapes and sizes like that's a good and that's a, cool right that's a good thing absolutely but also like the feel of jujitsu though mm-hmm. is not that no like, it doesn't yeah. feel like what jujitsu feels like that photo you know like there was uh he was rolling with the aforementioned kelly at the end of the day on saturday and Kelly was, com- you know, completely dominating him as, as, <laughs> as Kelly does. But there's this; they were in this position, and I could just see exactly the crop of those black and white photos that I like to take. And because Kelly was like had like a collar grip, but then was just hand over facing, you know, just make I'm old school going to choke you out. I'm just going to cover your mouth and nose with my hand, you know. And it was just an awesome little moment. I didn't have my camera, but I'm starting to see the <laughs> see jujitsu in photo format, you know. But like that sells really well because anybody that's done jujitsu is gonna see that and be like, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> you know. know exactly what he's trying to go for there. A choke. <laughs> oh yeah, that was right before the Americana. That's right. And it looked like, man, this is maybe a testament to that. It. I was watching that because you you were he was telling me earlier that. Uh, Kelly hit him with that Americana, and then like later in the day, he was like, Ugh. "Ooh, that one kind of elbows kind of sore." But it, <laughs> it, what it looked like was, I mean, you you were completely 
submitted position wise he was in complete control and it looked like you were just like cool do it and he was like yep just perfunctorily just casually did it and it tells you how good he is like it just looked like you were just running through a drill at that point or he was running through a drill at that point but no nah, man <laughs> oh that's old school yeah that's like on like the the greg nelson old school like blue belt test like those like wrestler like catch wrestling submissions you know like <laughs> how do you do jujitsu how do what, i do jiu-jitsu? you personally like what's your game i submit people make them say uncle that's what i that's what i do some people just can't sound tough. I'm sorry, bro. I just, I mean, it's true. I believe you. You're like, but, uh, yeah. but I also don't believe yeah. it doesn't sound that scary. You know, uh, how do I like to do jujitsu? I like, I like to go for the takedown, but at the same time, you know, so all matches start on the feet. So yeah. Right before everybody sits down, right before everyone sits down. Yep. Yes. But so I like to go for the takedown, but at the same time, I am well aware and have come to terms with many years ago that I am not a wrestler or a judoka sure. or here to take people down even. Yeah. I'm a jiu-jitsu player. And uh, this is a Jared Fairbairn quote, but uh, our goal in jiu-jitsu is to strangle necks and break limbs. Like that's that's all that matters. Right. You know? But matches do start on, on the feet, right? And there's but, points. And, and there's and points that, and yeah. stuff. But the end goal is uh, I'm going to break a limb. Or get to where I would have broken a limb if you didn't tap. Um, or if, you know, I wasn't looking out for your best interest or something. <laughs> or or I'll strangle you unconscious, you know. So matches start on the feet, though. So I, I try to think of it not as, like, I'm going to take you down. You know, it's like, how are we going to transition from the feet to the floor? So it's feet to floor transition. You know, so I, I like to take people down because then I can – Take them. I can control the takedown on the way into, um, in into passing their guard or into a submission, or I can I can control it more, right? But if I lock up with you, and uh, and I can feel, like I do when I lock up with Ryan Potabom, that you're probably better at takedowns than I am, then I'm gonna try to pull guard, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Or be ready to counter your takedowns, right. right? Like all I care about is transitioning. There's only four things that can happen, right? I can either take you down or you can try to take me down, right? Or you can pull guard on me or I can pull guard on you. So I need to have an answer for all four of those situations. So I need to have takedowns that I can go for, right? And uh, have finishes to those takedowns. But I also need to be ready to counter your takedown attempts, I need to be ready to counter your guard pull if you pull instead. And I need to be ready to pull guard if my takedowns are failing and you're not pulling, you know? So I try to, I try to view it that way. Like how are we going to transition to the floor versus like we slap hands, fist bump. And I just, I just pull, I just sit down, you know? So like, I'm not against pulling guard. I pull guard all the time, but I am against the idea of like, I'm just going to like touch and sit down. I try to start all my rolls on my feet. Even if like, I want to work my bottom game. You know, and I'll, I'll try to ask my, you know, some of my part, some of your training partners want to start on the knees or their butt, and that's fine. But I always ask them like, "Hey, you wanna you wanna start on the feet?" I try to get them to to do it with me, right? 
and even if they don't want to do takedowns or get taken down, then I'll just like sit down right away, but I'll, I'll pull at an angle or pull in a way, you know, and I'll tell them like, Hey, if you don't want to do takedowns, you can always pull. But now I get to practice like how I'm going to try to move around your guard pull, you know, and that's more realistic than if we both just start on our knees and we wrestle from the knees, like no matches start that way. Right. So I'm a firm believer. If you're going to start on the ground, one person should st be standing at least and the other person on their butt. So now you're at least in the situation where they pulled right away. And now you're dealing with that. But even that's not fully realistic because it's like, as you pull, I'm going to like move somewhere. Right. Hopefully I don't, you don't just like pull and I do nothing and you're just like directly in front of me. Right. So to answer your question, how do I do, how do I do jujitsu? I like to train it from the feet and find a way to transition off of either the pole or their takedown attempt or my takedown and then go from there. And for me, I'm more of a, I'm more of a reactive grappler. I do better defensively. Um, I do better like countering your shot attempts on me. Um, so, you know, I try to, I try to get tricky with the counters, like counter your pull, like move around you as you're pulling or try to come or trap you or guillotine you when you go in for your shot, you know, but not everyone does that. So then I, you know, I have some shots that I like to go for uh, and take people down in a way, but I want to take people down in a way that I have their leg already wrapped up so I can go right into my pass. Cause I don't want to deal with your guard. I don't want to like take you down into your guard or let you like pull and just be square to me. And I got to deal with your guard because passing the guard is hard. Like I want to like take you down at an angle or stuff your pull at an angle. So then I'm, I'm already like, even though I said, I like to be, be reactive and defensive. Like I, that's the beginning, but when I want to react in a way where now, um, you're the one reacting, I'm ahead of you. I'm like slightly ahead. I have the angle on, on, uh, the guard, right? You have your guard, but like, you don't have it where you want it. And now you're reacting to me and I'm passing your guard. And if we end up in that from there, I'm always trying to get to people's back. I have a very simple game. I want to get to your back and then I want to submit you from your back. Or if I can't get to your back and I'm stuck on the bottom, I try to get you in closed guard. And then I try to submit you from the closed guard or get to your back from the closed guard. If you start to pass my guard, I try to go for your back or sweep you from half guard, you know constantly trying to either submit people from closed guard or get to their get to their back somehow and then submit them from the back what's a submission submission is the most fun part of jujitsu and what's your submission so in the gi it's probably the sliding collar choke from the back and you know the bow and arrow choke they're like the same family um in no gi in no gi and gi uh I probably get triangles the most, probably catch triangles the most. And I've been working on triangles from the back a lot lately. Um, but that's that's fairly recent in my game. I'm trying to force myself to go for them from the back. So I guess now the triangle is my submission, gi no gi, whether from guard or the back. But I probably, I've won most of my matches in jiu-jitsu where I submitted them in competition with a choke from the back either rear naked and no gi or, or like some short choke variation or a bow and arrow or sliding collar in the gi or a triangle choke. That's that's where I won most of my matches. I like the Kimuras a lot, but in competition, I, I usually end up like I'll latch onto the Kimura, but I'll, it, you know, it's called the Kimura trap and I'll use it to change the position and get to the back eventually or the triangle even. Um, yeah. 
triangles, triangles, and and chokes from the back. I really dig your take on on coming from the feet. Like you've got a workflow in mind. Yeah. You know, because that you're, like you're right. There's like four possibilities. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. So four, you five, four. You can take them down, or they can take you down. I said try to take me down. Yeah. So in an ideal world, I counter them. But really, it's <laughs> like I can take them down, or they yeah. can take me down. Or somebody so, can pull. Or someone can pull, or I can pull. Yeah. And you need to have you need to have a game plan for all four because right. sometimes you're not going to be able to take them down, and like you're just going to be like, well, I refuse to pull guard. It's like that's dumb. Like the, my goal is to strangle you. So if I can like pull right into like an angle that sweeps you, I tell my students, so I have a lot of students, maybe it's cause we're in Minnesota. So maybe every school runs into this. I have a lot of students that used to wrestle, mm-hmm. you know, which is awesome. So they have this background where they already have really good base and maybe already have really good takedowns. They have some bad habits. They got to get over like leaving their head in bad position or their arm for Kimuras and guillotine chokes. Um, but once they get over that, you know, like they have a big advantage cause they can take people down and stuff. Um, so I get it. I have to get it through. And there's like an ego thing where it's like, uh, you know, like where you, when you, they start a match from the feet, it's like, oh, we're going to see who can take who down. It's like, who cares about that? If you get the two from it, that's awesome. That's sure. a good strategy because sure. you start up with two points. But, uh, but you know, what if the person just pulls guard on you right away? Well, now then, you missed your we'll, two and then, and then they get yeah. mad. They're like, oh, why didn't, why'd you just pull guard? Why didn't you? It's like, well, because they didn't want to get taken down and be down by two points. So you have to be ready to deal with that too, yeah. you know? And at the end of the day, there's no shame. If you want to compete in the sport of jiu-jitsu, there's no shame in just pulling guard and sweeping them. So I say to my, my students all the time, especially when I have a few in the class that have wrestled, I'm like, what's the difference between taking somebody down or pulling guard and sweeping them? And they'll be like, well, one's a takedown. I'm like, Nothing. The score is two either way. Yeah, you get net, two points for either. The net result either. is there on the ground now. The net result is yeah. you end up on top and you get two points. Yeah. So why do you know? Really, a guard pull is, and this is, uh, I heard this from uh, Eddie Cummings. Um, yeah. He's uh, famous uh, or was semi-famous. He's not as active anymore, but uh, well-known uh, jiu-jitsu competitor a few years ago. Um, I was at a seminar with him, and he put it this way. He's like, he's like, so in in wrestling, like you shoot in on the legs to get underneath the person to get lower. Right. So mm-hmm. you're underneath their center of gravity. So it's easier to take them down. He's like a guard pull is just like the lowest shot possible. Yeah. You can't you know? go south of the ground. You can't go south of the ground. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like, cause there's, you know, higher shots on a, du- but then there's like, you know, uh, really low singles, low, low sweep singles. You know, those are super low shots. A guard pull is lower than all of those, right? Yeah. And if you guard pull right into like, you know, X guard or Ashigurami and just like knock them backwards onto their butt and then come on top, how's that different than taking them down? Arguably, you've used less energy. Yeah, and it's a lot right? less tiring. That's the yeah. other thing. Pulling, takedowns, pulling guard isn't quite as Takedowns, but easier in some regard. What's that? Takedowns, but easier is Take, what pulling <laughs> Takedowns, but is, easier, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of using physics a little bit. You know? So yeah, I really like taking somebody down with a clean takedown but if i can't sure. take them down and i'm worried that you know they might have better takedowns than me then i'm gonna like find a good angle to pull guard into a sweep if i can or pull guard into a way that like pulls them into an awkward angle into my close guard and then it'll be easier for me to set up the triangle choke or a back take you know and uh i'm happy with that i didn't you know i didn't win the, the takedown battle but i submitted you or got my my two from locking you onto your butt. So, yeah, <laughs> winning battles versus winning wars, right? Exactly. How does somebody get good at jujitsu? 
train a lot. At every level. At every level. White, blue, etc. Et you know, uh, people go into these odd, like, at blue belt, you should be doing this. And at purple belt, you should be doing that. And uh, everything I've ever heard, it, it you know, it's true to an extent, right? At the beginning, you should be focusing on, you know, the basics and your body movements. You know, at the very beginning, you should be learning how your body moves and being aware of where you're about. A lot of people, you know, they're not very coordinated. And even if they were athletic and did like football or something, then they come to jujitsu because it's like a different type of athleticism or coordination. And that, you know, I've met people that uh, have come from like, like D1 football and like they're super coordinated, right? But then they they do jiu-jitsu for the first time and like you show them like a hip bump sweep and they like can't figure out like which way to move their hip, you know, and it's super awkward and you're like, man, is this guy, is this guy so uncoordinated, you know? But uh, so like the, you know, white to blue in a lot of ways is like learning how to move your body and being aware of what your body's doing. So like when I say like left hand on their wrist and here like you can just like do it. You know, because that takes a while to get good at. And then, like, now blue to purple and purple and, you know, now it's like, okay, we know how to manipulate our own body, but then now how do we manipulate other people's bodies? How do we control other bodies? So first you got to know how to manipulate your own body. And a lot of people, you think you, you would just know that because you've lived in your body your whole life. But then you try to roll for the first time or just, like, learn a move that the instructor shows and they're, like, right hand in the collar, left hand on the other side and, like, you know, they're doing that wrong. They can't, they don't like realize where their, their own like foot is when they're moving their hand and how their like weight is, is positioned. So that's like the first part. Then it's like, okay, now how do we, how do we move other bodies? Right. But at the end of the, you know, like black belt, smack belt, right? Like blue belt, purple belt, brown belt, you know, like the goal is to just always get better. Right. You know, you go compete at ADCC, there's no belts. There's no there's no belt divisions. There's no intermediate, advanced. You know, anybody can enter the ADCC trials. It doesn't matter what, what belt you are. Right now, usually the people that are black belts end up beating the other people. <laughs> so that's, you know, one thing that's cool about jiu-jitsu is, you know, because there's no, like, set, like, you know, like I came up in karate and, you know, you do these forms and at this belt, you learn this form and at this belt, you know, this form, you know, and you test on these forms. Whereas jujitsu, you know, a lot of schools have like a, a curriculum and testing, including, uh, you know, a lot of Pedro Sauer Association schools, the, you know, for like the blue belt. And it's a lot of like the most basic moves. But after that, you know, and even within that, you know, it's more about like how how you do in the rolling room and in practice, you know, and everyone's on their own track. Like it's not like the Sith, you know, where you have to kill the master to like go up and rank, you know, sometimes it feels like that, but <laughs> that's how you take ownership of the gym. <laughs> yeah. You, Challenge the head instructor. If you, guys, if you submit me at my school, um, you now you get my belt and my gym. That's yeah. just, that's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> But the you know, the goal in jujitsu is to keep getting better at jujitsu. Um, cool. If you want to get really good at jujitsu, uh, you should train a lot, as much as you can. That's fun for you. If you train so much that it's no longer fun for you, some people get burned out. You know, if they train more than three times a week, then it's not. I've known people like that. You know, 
I don't understand those people. I'm just kidding. I didn't used to understand those people because I find it so much fun. But I, you know, as I've matured, it's like, hey, you know, there are activities that I enjoy. You know, but if like for you, you get a ton of joy out of like doing jujitsu three times a week. And if you had like four or five, then you don't like it anymore. And then you stop coming. Like you should probably only do three times a week, but as much as you can do that, you enjoy, you should do it as much as possible. And if you really want to get good at jujitsu, I think the more you focus on like, like Ryan was saying, Ryan Potabom, you know, like it should be fun. Right. And when you're having fun, you are in a, better state of learning you know like if you're always thinking about winning your match hashtag mattwins.com you know you're trying to like beat everybody in the training room you're like i'm like i'm trying to submit everybody in the training room but i'm i'm also thinking about like oh like uh this move that i've been working on i'm gonna like see if once i'm in that position or i can funnel that way like i can try it and if i pull out that off like that's super fun if i don't pull it off i'm gonna see like what other moves i go into when it doesn't work right so it's a little more playful and i find whenever i'm in that mindset like i get better faster you know like when i'm getting ready for a competition i got to do like the comp practices where i just like do my a game and go hard and, and try to win but when majority of my rolling sessions are i'm like thinking about pulling off a certain move and i'm you know i'm just i'm having fun and when it fails like i keep a if you guys watch marcus roll i learned this from him just from watching him roll he always has like a slight smile on his face, you know, <laughs> he does. Yeah. You know, now that I'm and thinking through it, he's gotten, he's, he's always been getting better faster than most people because he trains all the time. But I feel like I've noticed this little anecdote that he's gotten a lot better, a lot faster, like the last year or so. And that's when I noticed that he started like always smiling a little bit, you know, even at the comp practices, like he's got a smile on his face, you know, so he's like trying things. You know, whereas like if you're only thinking about winning in the training room, you're not going to try new things. And then how are you going to get better? How are you going to expand your game? You know, so if you have that, it's easier said than done. You know, like if this is what part of why I think I'm not as good as I, I could have been in the same amount of time I've been training. The first six years I did jujitsu, I was just like angry all the time. Anytime a move wouldn't work or I get crushed by somebody heavier than me because I was like, 130 pounds rolling with 200 pound adults and there were like no teenagers or kids taking the class you know i'd be like upset underneath mount like this elbow escape's not working uh you know i get like super mad but when you're mad you're not problem solving very well anyways right you're just trying to like hammer through the the wall instead of like walking through the door you know or what is it you're not trying to pick the lock you're just trying to like bash open the <laughs> the door you know so my advice to people that want to get really good at jujitsu is train as much as you can where it's still fun for you and then lower your expectations in the training room and like fight the urge to like get upset when your move doesn't work which is easier said than done but if you can keep that playful mindset of you know like when you get when you get caught or armbarred, instead of like getting upset about like oh I can't believe you, I let him do that, instead it's like oh man, how did he set that up? You know, which it seems like obvious, 
but it's really hard. It's like an inner mental game. And everybody I know that's gotten better faster than me or other people average, they seem better at that. You know, like when, when it doesn't work out, they just like think about it and try it a different way. Whereas like if you get emotional about it, and this is a mistake I would always make, you know, like if it didn't work out, I'd be like, oh, and then I try to do it the same exact way. Right. Which didn't work out the first time. So why would it work the second time? You know, so that makes it take longer to get better. You know, like one person gets arm barred and they're like, oh, I'm going to like try to move this way instead. I get arm barred and I'm like, what? I'm going to go try the exact same move again. And I get arm barred again. I'm like, what? And then I try it again like 10 more times. And I'm just upset that the move I'm trying to impose isn't working instead of being like, Oh, it didn't work on this guy. I should like try to try to do it a little differently, you know? And that's the, when I I'm having a lot more fun with jujitsu in the last two years, cause I've done a much better job and I've gotten better faster cause I've done a better job of being more playful about it and just going like, Oh, I should try it a little bit differently this way or that way. And not just abandoning the move. Like, like, oh, that move didn't work. I'm never doing that move again. It's like, oh, I should try it a little differently or or see what other moves like funnel off of that when it doesn't work, you know? It just didn't work because it wasn't there in that situation against that body type at that time. So my advice, train as much as possible, if we can summarize this, and keep a playful mindset and <laughs> don't get frustrated, right? Instead play the game and try it a different way and what's the worst that happens if you try to do the thing is you you only know this one way and then you're like you don't want to try it a different way because you don't know what'll happen even though you got it didn't work the way that you thought you knew it would happen right this is a professor Pedro Sauer thing he talks about it all the time and I've heard him talk about it for 14 plus years now but it took me to like this year or like the last two years to actually resonate so my advice is like hear what I'm about to say and believe it now if you're at the beginning of your jiu-jitsu career instead of like taking like 10, 11, 12 years. <laughs> is, uh, he's like, my friends, when we train jiu-jitsu, we must play jiu-jitsu. And when we're, when we're on the mat, that's not the arena. You know, the competition, that's the arena. And that's great. But we're on the mat, we're in the laboratory. Okay? This is when we experiment. We try new things. You know, sometimes we, you know, you let all the tough guys submit you because they all submit you with all their favorite submissions. Now you know all their favorite moves and you know how they're going to do it against you. And then eventually you start to do it against them. <laughs> like we must play jujitsu in the laboratory, right? So we got to keep that, you know, that laboratory, you know, mindset that, you know, we're like scientists experimenting, but we're also like children playing, you know. Good. Thanks, Hayden. Thank you. And and that last impression's going right at the fucking front of this <laughs> this episode. <laughs> my Pedro Sauer impression, my master. Well, because it was a great a great point, a great explanation, and then also fucking hilarious. <laughs> thank you, thank you.